Today's episode of Titus and Tate is brought to you by Coors Light. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart by going to CoorsLight.com slash T ampersand T. Please celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. On today's episode of Titus and Tate, the Maui bump, sadly, is officially on life support, I think, Tate. The, uh, the Creighton Blue Jays might stink. I don't know. No. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure it out. No. I, <laughs> Nay. All right. I have... <laughs> I, I figured this much out. They are definitely a make shots team. I think when shots are going I in, agree. they're a lot better than when 100%. they're breaking everything. Um, but Creighton is technically on a three-game. Don't look now, but Creighton is technically on, on a three-game losing streak. Uh, lost the championship in Maui. Lost to Texas. Just lost at home to Nebraska. Meanwhile, Arizona goes four for 28 from three against uh, Utah on Thursday. We talked about it a little bit on the show because it was happening in real time as we were recording. Yeah. Um, I don't know, man. It's, it's, it's tough times out there for the Maui bump. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I'm a little concerned. I feel like the Blue Jays will be back. It was tough. Uh, you know, when you've been on the road for a while and you don't have time to practice, we all know what that means. You can go on losing streaks. We see it with the Tar Heels. It's because they haven't mm. been able to practice at home. That's what it is, Titus. That, that's okay. So well, once speaking, you get home and practice, things change. Speaking of the Tar Heels, the uh, the Bubble Boys are back. It's the of first course. week of December, and they're already back. They are. Uh, people, they are. They're people still mad about last year, Titus. They're still dude, upset. Did you see this? People are saying online... <laughs> that North Carolina might miss the tournament. Not me. I didn't say it, but uh, people, people people are saying it. Um, that's it's interesting. The preseason number one team, a team that you're very familiar with, Tate. Uh, they should not learned a year ago, but we shall see. I promise at some point we're not going to come on uh, and and every single show just say what's wrong with North Carolina to to start the show. But uh, I, I will say you, you showed a little bit of signs of life there in the second half against Virginia Tech. Ultimately, doesn't count for anything. Still a loss. Lost four straight. Maybe it does in the net. We don't know. We'll we'll see, I, we'll I don't see. know how the net works. So hopefully, hopefully it does. Uh, the net rankings are out. The first net rankings. We we love the net here on this program. We do not understand it. It is the most confusing metric. Uh, it it I I am of the opinion that the RPI was less confusing. Uh, even though the net was supposed to. We're, we're, I think it just boils down to we're morons. I think that's really what yeah. it is. Take because I don't think there's any metric out there that makes any sense to me. Um, <laughs> the net was supposed to be. The chosen one that that is very simple and very clear. Everyone R- would get it because yeah. the RPI in the words of Dick Vitale was shocking and wacky mm-hmm. uh, at times, and there would be wild results in the RPI. There'd be teams that were ranked like third, and you're like, they don't belong there. What the hell's going on? The net was supposed to weed that out, but then the first net rankings have Sam Houston at what seventh? Is Seven. it? Yes. Yeah. So I I think we're right back where we started. I don't understand the net, but the net rankings are out. The Louisville Cardinals are not in last place, so. Uh, so they're we're, wrong. So, we, yeah, so so they're nothing wrong. is wrong with the algorithm. No, so we we decided we're going to have our, our good friend Mike Rutherford on to celebrate Louisville not being in last place. Yeah. We, we get accused of only having Mike on when bad things are happening to Louisville, but Louisville is not in dead last in the net. So we thought, you know what? Let's let's pop some champagne bottles. <laughs> <laughs> we Everything's, have going well. Everything's going well for Louisville right now. Uh, also, we're going to do a little Wooden Award uh, watch list maybe. Zach Eady is... Uh, is it already Zach Eady versus the field? The answer may surprise you, folks. I don't know. Uh, Maryland basketball, the Maryland momentum is happening. There's a ton going on, Tate. We have a ton to talk about, but first, Woody Durham. He takes the timeout. Technical foul. Technical foul. Technical foul. 
All right, Tate, uh, I want to say this out of the gate. Uh, first of all, I am fighting like a head cold or something. Um, so if I sound more nasally than I usually do, or if, uh, I don't know, I'm, I, I I just want to apologize because I, I understand this. The, but most of the people that, that follow the show are probably listening. Yeah, but most of the people, like number one, I'm going to have really terrible takes. Like that's definitely, and I'm probably going to forget a lot of things and screw that up. But it's more about... Uh, uh, you know, most of the people that listen to the show might have headphones in as as you're on your elliptical or, you know, on an airplane ride. And if mm -hmm. I sound like absolute garbage, I apologize. Blame Jim. I, I, I am of the opinion there should be like some sort of filter that Jim can put over my voice to make me sound like Morgan Freeman. Yeah. Uh, so the fact that he didn't do that, it's his fault. But I just wanted to get out ahead of this. If I sound mucusy, I apologize. I didn't mean it. We, we march on tape. Let's talk about some college basketball. I like um, that you said what? March on. I'm excited because uh, all I can think about is March because <laughs> November and December are breaking my brain. Is Carolina the story right now, Kyle? I think I think it is. As much as you don't want to talk about it, and I really do. Uh, I, I I'm trying not to twist the knife too much, but I I do think uh, North Carolina being unranked uh, in this AP poll that came out on Monday after being the preseason number one team, I think that is the story, right? Like this is the fastest fall from number one. Um, right. I, I, I need, <laughs> right. right. <laughs> I don't know which role so excited to, to tear down this team, but yeah, they deserve every bit of it, <laughs> but I don't, I don't know which role the two of us are playing. Like which one of us is the one that believes that they can turn it around. Which one of us is the one that's like, they're screwed. And this is just who they are. I don't know anymore. It changes. Every time I talk to you about this North Carolina team, you seem to change your attitudes on like whether they'll be able to figure it out. Or what, like it seems like a, like a, my my read on it with you and the rest of North Carolina fans is you guys are allowed to shit all over the team, but nobody outside of North Carolina is allowed to shit on the team, you know. So like yeah. you guys are allowed to say we suck, but then like when 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 fans of other schools are like, damn, this North Carolina team sucks, you say shut up, keep your keep your opinions to yourself. We're the only ones allowed to criticize our, well, our boys. I mean, not really. I mean, some people are allowed, but when you know you're on a podcast wearing a North Carolina shirt, trying to troll them, saying they're not going to make the tournament, maybe you're not allowed to. You know what I mean? Maybe you should shut up. You know, those those are the people that oh. we were, that we were probably yelling at. But at the end of the day, not to name uh, names, not, <laughs> not to name, to name names, names, but uh, I mean, come on, come on. I mean, if, if there's any team that we've learned uh, after last year that can turn it on. I can flip a switch at a, at a later date and time. It would probably be this team. So, uh, but to put it in, um, you know, some words that I also have, have heard around the block is that this North Carolina team, they're playing NBA basketball. And uh, one thing that you and I do not like on this program is NBA basketball. And uh, we're, we're having, a, we're having a, uh, a character crisis, Mark Titus. We are not playing Carolina basketball. We are playing uh, NBA basketball, as some people have pointed out. And uh, you need NBA talent to play NBA basketball because it's stupid. And uh, when you're running stupid plays and you're trying to make hero <laughs> shots, uh, you lose games in college. And uh, we played a really good college team on Sunday in Virginia Tech. And in the second half, like you said, they, they played some some good basketball down the stretch. Um, and then it got back to but NBA. It kind of spoke to what you said last time when we were talking about Carolina after the Indiana game where uh, you said, you said it, this team is stuck on the game is tied with two minutes left and it's March Madness. It, they, they're, st they're stuck in like the, the, the end of the Duke game mode where yeah. every shot has to be a big shot. And so on the one hand, I was excited to see some signs of life in the second half against Virginia Tech when they could have, they were, they were down 18 at one point, I think. Could yeah. have easily just folded, waved the white flag, said we suck, let's pack it in. <laughs> um, It got down to three, right? I think that was as close they, as they, they, cut, it yeah. Yeah. they cut it to three. 
Um, so like on the one hand, that that's cool to see some fight in this team. because uh, cause again, I don't I don't want to uh I I I would love for North Carolina to figure this thing out and, and be a relevant player again. Um but on the other hand, it did feel like it, it was back to what you said, where it's like, yeah, they're playing well, but it's also the only time they play well is when their back's against the wall. That the, they look up and they're down by a lot with little time left, and like they they channel that energy, and it's like that's not we, we know you're capable of doing that. The question is, are you capable of putting together for forty minutes? Are you capable of? I don't know, man. Like they, I don't. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure right now that they uh, that they can do that. And Hubert said that after the game, he was like, "We play good for ten minutes. There's forty minutes in the game." Right. 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 So it's like you, hopefully you show... at some point they can they can play a 40 minute game. But at the end of the day, when your two best players are playing the worst I've ever seen them play in Armando Baycott and Caleb Love, and those are supposed to be the anchors of the team. What can you expect? You know, and and guess what? The reason why they had that little run that they had, it was not because of those guys. It was because of Tyler Nickel, a freshman and Seth Trimble, a freshman. I was going to say one of the encouraging things from the Virginia, Virginia Tech game for Carolina was that it, it felt like Hubert was throwing more stuff against the wall and just to see what sticks. Like he was a little more willing to just be like, screw it. Everybody get in. Everyone try it. Let, let's let's see what the hell yeah. happens here. Yeah. Um, Roy Williams I, would have had the walk ons on. Oh, he would have subbed out all the starters so many times so far this season. Like in. Portland, oh, yeah. Against Portland, that would have happened. We probably would have lost to Portland because he did that. But he would have definitely done that. Yeah. He would have done it against Iowa State. Because the message was not being heard. It may have been said. Obviously, it's been said, but it was not heard. And uh, hopefully, I don't know. I mean, I think being out of the top 25 might be the best thing to ever happen to this team, Titus. But I don't know how. At first, I said being number one is maybe the best thing to ever happen to this team. Not being number one would be the best thing that ever happened to this team. But as they keep falling, I don't know what the best thing would be. But uh, at some point, you have to play who wants to play and uh, who who wants to play for 40 minutes and compete and play with Um, pace. Can you play with pace, Titus? That's what I would say if I was a coach. Can we play? I know. I I don't know. Well, silver lining. uh, Last year, we were dancing all over Memphis's grave at this time, and but then again, right next to Memphis in the net. Yeah, right. But then also Memphis. I mean, I don't know if if the season ends up for Carolina like it ended up for Memphis. I don't know if you're exactly sticking your chest out and saying. Kiss our ass haters. We showed yeah, you. We were up you on know? that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't know if that's exactly <laughs> the uh the model that you no, want to follow. Want to but at the same time, like the, the talk of yeah, of, of course a guy like me is going to uh be intoxicated by the idea of talking about the Tar Heels maybe not making the tournament. It's fun. It's 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 provocative, Tate. It it does get the people going to say the number one team in the country yeah. first week of December. Are they on the bubble? I don't know. Let's talk about it, whatever. Uh but Memphis was in a much worse spot last year. And, you know, they played their way in. And they were in a worse conference, too. And they didn't have as many great opportunities. Carolina's still, like, the ACC is not great. But Carol, Virginia Tech's a good team. That's, they have no bad losses. Carolina still has no bad losses. Uh, Virginia's very, very good. You're going to play them twice. Duke, you're going to play twice. Um, you know, Virginia Tech's a good team. You get a, I assume you get another crack at them. We'll see. Yeah, it's also one fine. of those things where it's the you still Ohio State, Michigan, too, by the way. Yeah, you still have those two games. As long as you, if you could go two and one against the Big Ten, you're fine if you're North Carolina. So it's still there. And uh, like you said, no bad losses. Alabama's top 10. Iowa State is, you know, some people think one of the best teams in the country, hottest teams in the country, trending up teams in the country. All those teams are going to make the tournament that you lost to. All those teams are making the tournament. Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and if, if you win that Alabama game as you should have as the veteran team against a bunch of freshmen, 
then you're not in a situation where people are talking about the bubble. But that just yeah. is what it is, and that, that is what you've let happen by losing these games. And at some point, you have to win the game. Just win, baby. <laughs> just, Hal yeah. just win. Like I'm uh, tired of all the excuses and all the reasons why it's not happening and the and the woe is me. I'm over it. I, yeah. I, that's not Carolina. That's Duke. That's whining and, and blaming everybody else. And stop talking about the officials. It's not the officials' fault. Just win the game. Yeah, I'm over. Well, it, let, let's move on. We don't have to. We don't have to. Uh... <laughs> I I don't like people complaining about the officials. If you win, you win. You know what I mean. The officials are what they are. And if anything, the officials have been trying to help Carolina in these games. If I say so myself, you know what I mean. I'm like, they're, whoa, they're trying to give you to say that the, the Indiana game. They they kept you. I mean, that is true. Yeah, the, Indiana was I mean, Indiana would have won by thirty. Uh, we don't need to talk about Indiana either. I'm sorry to coach Titus, but Rutgers. no, let's talk about Indiana. Like, Cause let's pivot away from North Carolina. Cause I, I don't want you that it's a, it's a sad scene. If, if every single show we're just like, damn dude, North Carolina lost again. Tate, what do you think this time? And you're like, same thing I said last time, Titus, I hate this team. <laughs> yeah, we got to figure it out. There. Um, Indiana losing at Rutgers. Honestly, like I'm not, I'm not surprised. We uh, saw it. Yeah. We, we yeah, predict, I don't think as, as first predicted on Titus and Tate, we, we saw yeah, Oh, shout out Andy Katz. Yeah. Yeah. Andy Katz came on the show uh, and said that this circle, this game, this is the game that Indiana's Indiana's going to beat North Carolina. Then they're going to turn around and lose at Rutgers. Um, Derek Simpson for Rutgers wearing number zero and looking like Geo Baker and just falling out of control in this game was, was a ton of fun. But uh, for the, the Indiana side of this, Rutgers is the boogeyman. I don't understand how Indiana has, like it used to be, it still actually probably is the Cole Center. Where Indiana could win against Wisconsin forever, I, 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 I they, they, they just completely melt down at the Kohl Center. Like I think Jersey Mike's Arena is becoming the new Kohl Center for Indiana. <laughs> um, also, this Indiana team, Jalen Hood Shafino, which is what I said after they beat North Carolina. Jalen Hood Shafino is the difference maker. Not just in that he's their best, he might be their most talented player. He's their best NBA prospect. Mm -hmm. um, Trace Jackson Davis is the guy that's going to win all the All American awards and all that. But like Hood Shafino is the guy that that. Uh, NBA scouts are foaming at the mouth over. Um, he he's the guy who makes this Indiana team different. He didn't play in the Rutgers game, so like as I'm watching Rutgers out tough Indiana and and the the I think they call it the trapezoid of terror. That's the nickname that Jersey Mike's Arena has. Uh, <laughs> I love has, it. has has been brandished with by the Big Ten fans because um, like Rutgers, it's it's like no longer like kind of funny. It's like a legitimate threat that Rutgers. Beats like every ranked team that comes into Jersey Mike's arena now. Um, but when when Hood Shafino was out for back spasms, and you look up at the that the team that Indiana's put it on the floor, it's like basically the exact same Indiana team we've seen the last few years, as it turns out. And guess what happened? The exact same <laughs> thing that's happened the last few yeah. years. They lost a record. You know what demons. I mean? They were fighting. Yeah. That's for yeah, sure. so it was like, you know, like I, I all the Indiana fans of my life are losing their minds, like, this is the same team. And I'm like, it's but it's literally the same team. It's like like Malik Reno is good. He's a he's a freshman that's good. Shout out to him, I guess. Uh, but by and large, it's the exact same team with Hood Shafino's not on the court, and he wasn't on the court. So why would you expect a different result? Of course, you're going to lose at Rutgers. Of course, all the same like demons that have plagued Indiana basketball the last couple of years are going to rear their ugly head. So like I'm not I'm not particularly worried about it, but I but, uh, I'm not particularly worried about Indiana moving forward. As assuming Hood Shafino's back spasms don't become like a lingering thing, but I will say the the hilarity when I called my dad after Rutgers beat Indiana and my father last year when Purdue lost at Rutgers spent like <laughs> multiple hundreds of dollars on Rutgers gear. <laughs> and I asked my dad what he's done with his uh, Rutgers gear and he, he 
the stone. I don't think I've ever like I would I would have been better off like being 16 years old and telling him that I got drunk and crashed the car. You know, like he would have he would have handled that better than me asking him the other day. Like, so dad, what did you do with all those record shirts you bought? <laughs> He's in the backyard burning them. Uh, yeah. Like, get these out of my face. Yeah, it was it was a classic trap game, and I think the only thing for Indiana. Indiana fans, we have to together. Indiana fans should be pulling for North Carolina to be good. By the way, because they need North Carolina to be a quality win. And at this point, yeah. Carolina is a quad two win. And uh, as much as it was a moral victory for the, you know, we just beat this shit out of North Carolina at home. It doesn't matter if Carolina sucks. So uh, Indiana fans, they should be on the bandwagon of getting Carolina back, and then they could have this classic Big Ten trap game, and it wouldn't matter as much. But if Carolina's no good, it matters more. And uh, that is worrisome. So Indiana, let's all move in the same direction here. North Carolina needs to get back relevant, so you get a relevant win, and then we're all. Yeah, happy. it's hard to tell. Uh, uh, I mean, it always is this time of year. But um, new AP poll comes out today. Top five, I guess, have sort of distanced themselves because I, I, as I'm looking at it, I'm like, yeah, I guess no matter how you fill out your ballot, those probably have to be your top five: uh, Houston, Virginia, Purdue, Texas, UConn. Yeah. Um, I know Tennessee fans are high on this team. You lost to Colorado. It's not like a terrible loss. I get it, whatever, but it did happen. And all these other five are undefeated and look really, really impressive and how they're winning these games. So, like, as of right now, as of today, as of right this second, those are the five that have elevated themselves. But at the same time, uh, you know, there, there's Houston, for example, a team that I thought coming into the season was should have been number one. Um, but and 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 is obviously undefeated and uh, has 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 a great defense, great culture. They they I think it's way too early to to start talking about this. But if they beat Virginia at Virginia Tate, the undefeated talk's going to start. You know, in that conference that they're in, and and the the team that they have this year. Um, I I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think they're actually going to go undefeated. But of course, we're going to start having the conversation. Like that's kind of what this season is setting up for is like Houston can get, if they can get past Alabama and Virginia, maybe they're going to feed it. Um, but they, they, there's, there's a little too much muck to Houston right now. If I can say so, like watching that St. Mary's game, uh, I, I, I Houston needs to clean it up. I don't know. Like I, I get St. Mary slows it down, but like the Kent state and St. Mary's games, both have been, they're, they, they want them both, but like, there's no, Houston to me was the number one team coming in. They've they've looked okay so far. They 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 probably are still my number one team, but um, I, I I'm starting to like talk myself into other teams being the number one team. Uh, I I don't know like Houston, when I'm watching Houston, I want to talk myself into Houston being 2005 Illinois. That was the dream I was sold was was Sasser Shed and Trayvon Mark are like a diet version of the three headed guards for. Uh, the 2005 Illinois, they're kind of turning into more like 2014 Cincinnati where Sasser is Sean Kilpatrick. And then it's just a muck fest and Sasser carries him on offense, you know? Uh, so I don't know if I'm buying into that. Virginia uh, had a close one against Florida state. They're playing great basketball. I, I love this Virginia team. It's so fun to have Virginia basketball back in our lives. Um, but you know, like I, their defense isn't as awesome as it, as I would like it to be. Uh, Purdue, same thing. Like Florida State gave Purdue a good game. Texas hasn't played any, any, literally zero games outside of the state of Texas. UConn is an interesting team to me. I don't know. I will, my ultimate point with all this is like these five have, have emerged at the top, but at the same time, have they? Question mark. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like they, exactly. they, yeah, they have this at this season, point this season, but it's not. Yeah, 
No, it's it's the most confounding, confusing season I've been, you know, a part of since we started doing the show. When you're trying to parse through who actually is a team that can actually compete and win a national championship at that level, because when you talk about Houston, right? I mean, sure, Sasser is the the one guard that that can carry them as the scoring guard, but Roberts has been their best player, Jawan Roberts. You know what I mean? So I'm watching yeah. games and I'm like, he's the one that really is is the, the the saving grace of this team so far. So that's a little confusing and hopefully, you know, the they can stop mucking it and start playing some quality basketball. Texas play a true road game, Graham Couch theory, we'll figure that out. Virginia, like you said, I mean, they are the class of the ACC, but also they're not that there is some, you know, Virginia Tech's going to give them a tough game. They're, they're going to have a hard time with Virginia yeah. Tech. That, that's going to be interesting to see. Purdue's going to have some games in the Big Ten where, you know, we really get to see a test of them. Just like when your dad called you and they were playing Florida State, we'll have some of those games again where Purdue's down at halftime. And we're saying, why is Edie not getting the ball more? We, we expect that. And so I go to UConn. They're at number five, and UConn might be five, but UConn is sort of weirdly in, in your head the de facto number one team. Because UConn is no, beating, that's, that's, beating the hell out of everybody. <laughs> and and well, so even though there is this top five, there's kind of like weirdly the number five team, the, the fifth-ranked team, is maybe the most fascinating and maybe looks the best out of all of them. Well, that, I'm glad you said that because that's kind of where my brain was going with this. Is like I UConn, of those top five, UConn's the only one, I think, that didn't get – they're ranked fifth, right? And they didn't get any first-place votes. Mm-hmm. And I find that a little surprising because they're beating the hell out of everybody. And granted, they don't have like the, the upper echelon – Remind me again who who UConn's. I I know they won the PK eighty five whatever, but I, I forget the run they went on. It was Oregon, Alabama, Iowa State. Yeah, yeah. And and Alabama's a good team. Oregon is, eh, you know, Oregon's not going to be much, but Oregon is Oregon. Oregon almost beat UCLA by the way, um, and and that's like kind of where they've arrived as a program is like they're going to beat UCLA. They'll probably beat Arizona this year. They'll probably beat. They they might like be on the bubble by the end of the year. They have some pieces, but Oregon's not, you know. Uh, Alabama, I think, is a good team. Iowa State's a good, but the, as far as when you're stacking up UConn's like top top wins against some of these other teams, none of them they don't jump off the page like the other, you know, the the uh, the, the wins some of these other teams have. Um, but like you said, UConn's beating the shit out of everyone, dude. And Andre <laughs> Jackson, dude, that guy is. I mean, he can't. He 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 is like he, he's the best defender in the country. I'm ready to say it. I'm ready to say that he's the he's the number one. If he, he's like the guy that I, I I want no part of. If if like if you if you're a team especially that has like one guy that carries your offense and you're going up against UConn and they just sick Andre Jackson on your guy, like you're I, I want no part of that, man. Yeah. Now we we keep talking about the true road games and all that kind of stuff. UConn does have Florida uh, on on Wednesday in Gainesville. Um, but, but you kind of, I'm, I'm with you. I'm glad you brought it up. I, I was slowly talking to myself as I was looking at the AP poll. I was like, should you kind of be getting first place votes? Cause I think they maybe should be right. Like they should be more in the mix for number one. Yeah, I'm afraid to say UConn's number one because the last time I said a team was number one was Arizona. And uh, since I've said that, they have looked like a totally different team. So I, I don't think I'll ever say anyone's number one again unless I'm trying to smite them. So maybe Duke looks like the number one team to me. <laughs> Filipowski looks unstoppable. He looks like his PER is, uh, you know, tops in the country. But when you look at the net, Titus, on a serious note, UConn is number two and Houston's number one. So as much as we're making fun of the net, or I am making fun of the net, I laugh at the net all the time. They have right now Houston, UConn, Purdue. 
uh, as one, two, three. And weirdly, I think that you could take, you could argue out either one of the, either of those three, and I could hear you, and I'd say, okay, that makes sense. They're the number one team. I mean, I'll say this about UConn: they have the juice right now. They have whatever it is. They have the swagger. They have the, uh, like Jordan Hawkins and and Sonogo and, uh, uh, yeah, I, I, obviously Andre Jackson's is uh, he, he's my favorite player on that team, and I I don't I don't know if that's how other UConn fans feel. Sonogo's like incredible, by the way. Like Sonogo, uh. And, and we, we could talk about the Wooden Award, our, our Wooden Award watch list here in a second. But like Sonogo, his his footwork, his his hands, his like the impact that guy has is you can't say enough about him. And then they bring uh, Klingon off the bench, the the seven two guy, and it's like my God, this is this team's incredible. Um, I I I don't know when when I when I watch UConn, the juice that they have though, the the swagger. Like I said, I saw Sonogo uh, did an interview after the Oklahoma State game where he just said they thought they were going to win. They weren't. They had no chance. We were <laughs> we were in control the whole time. Um, and that that building is on fire. Dan Hurley is like, he, he's 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 already he he was already their guy. Like I I think at this point heading into the season, UConn fans were already fully behind him. But uh, that symbiotic relations, like he's a perfect guy for that program. Yeah, you know, he fits um, really well. He, it's a great cultural fit, and uh, yeah, I, I think like the momentum that UConn is building is uh, very, very real and very tangible, and and the fans are are losing their minds over it. I will say that, like UConn fans, it's like UConn and Maryland right now are like the two loudest fan bases. Yeah, <laughs> in terms of like. I mean, the, and they want you to know it. And yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, when you just talk about, I mean, UConn basketball in general, that history, I mean, the UConn fans will argue Jim Calhoun is the GOAT. You know, you know, usually when we hear people talking heads, they'll say Coach K or Bobby Knight or Dean Smith or whoever it may be, but John Wooden. But, the, the, you know, the, the UConn faithful, they're like, it's Calhoun, no doubt about it. They expect to win championships. Obviously, they, they have done that at a high clip in this century. Uh, you know, so it, it, we talked about who was going to take Villanova's place. UConn was right in our face. UConn is probably going to to jump on the throne there and, and be the class of the Big East. And so I guess I guess like that's the question because coming into the season, um, North Carolina is. I don't want to. I don't want to be too. I don't. I don't, I don't want to uh, exaggerate too much, but I. I would say cons- we'll say consensus. I, consensus feels fair. North Carolina is the consensus pick to win the ACC. Would you say that's fair? Yes, of course. Right. Yeah. Uh, Indiana is the consensus pick to be the best team in in the Big Ten. Creighton is the pick to be the best team in the Big East. And like all of. It's not to say that that these three teams were head and shoulders above everyone else, but like it it it. It was to a point where if you picked anyone other than those teams, you were looked at like you were a little weird, you know? Like yeah. you have to really show your notes and explain why you might think that. And now you look up, uh, Purdue is Purdue seems to be, you know, again, I'm not going to say head and shoulders better than Indiana, but like comfortably, if you ask people who's the best team in the Big Ten, I think Purdue is pretty much everybody's answer. answer. Yeah, UConn at this point is pretty much everyone's answer for the Big East. And Virginia is pretty much everyone's answer for the ACC. Now the question becomes, like moving forward, are we still going to... St- stick with that i don't know but that's that's pretty fascinating because those three teams creighton indiana and uh north carolina it's not like no one thought they would have challengers but uh you know and and again it's not like they were unanimous picks to win the whole thing but they were pretty much the 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 consensus like these are the these are the guys it's not a hater if you're not picking yeah yeah right 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 and now it's december 5th and we're already we've already thrown those three out and we've got three (laughs) new teams in uh, in their place. 
Yeah, which is insane. And three teams that look like surefire. Like, you know, if you were talking to anyone right now, they're saying like Purdue, Final Four. Yes, Virginia, Final Four. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like the UConn, Final Four level team, right? We, we have completely, you know, shot them to the moon at this point. And, uh, you know, the only thing that I will say is there's been so much chaos <laughs> so far in the top 10, you know, with these teams falling in and falling out and looking good and looking bad. There's been so much that, I mean, it is college basketball and you can just throw the rankings out, but it is a seesaw that is fun to witness and fun to watch. And I think the teams that will be the hottest teams going into March will be different than the teams that probably win their conferences <laughs> just based on right. how long this season is. So if you're Purdue, you're just trying to, you're trying to maintain, keep everybody healthy and get to March. The big 10 is going to be nuts. And I, I yeah. know, I know that every, non-Big Ten fan has had enough Big Ten discussion in their faces for to last them a lifetime at this point. Uh, talking about a conference that, as Jim Beheim explained to us, shits the bed every March. Um, but <laughs> so eloquently put it, Jim Beheim. As the, uh, as the Big Ten defender on this show, Tate, I will point out that games like Nebraska at Creighton, games like uh, Wisconsin beating Marquette at Marquette after Baylor lost by 26. Like this is, these are the reasons the big 10 gets a million bids every year. You know, like this is, this, this is why this happens and why the, the and the big 10, the big 10 is just going to be so fascinating because I do think that, that uh, uh, it, it, it's going to be deep as hell. Like Nebraska is, is not bad as they proved. They, they, they didn't just beat Creighton, dude. They looked and Creighton couldn't hit shit. I get that. Creighton's got some problems right now. They're not playing defense to save their lives. Um, and they keep thinking that like the next three that they pull is going to be the one that pulls. They're, 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 they're playing they're kinda, like Carolina. Yeah. yeah they're playing like exactly. Carolina. Yeah. They've dug good. themselves into a hole and Baylor Shireman's like, I know what it can get out of, get us out of this hole. I'm going to hit a 40 footer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> but Nebraska is not like Northwestern beats Michigan state. Uh, Penn state is Penn state is a sneaky team, man. If you, if you haven't watched Penn state play this year, uh, Pickett on Penn State is a is is a guy. He, he's already got a triple double against Butler. Um, but they are a three and D team. You know they'll jack a ton of threes and they play great defense. And Pickett's like all American caliber. Good. He's not going to be an all American, but he. If you catch him on the right night, you're like, is this guy the best player in the country? Mm -hmm. Um, so I don't. The, the Big Ten's fascinating to me because it's going to be super deep. But then at the same time, like we keep saying, like you you see Indiana lose at Rutgers, and you're like Indiana, you're supposed to be the team that's that's going to win the national title. You can't even beat Paul Mulcahy. You can't yeah. even beat a Paul Mulcahy team at Rutgers. What the hell's going on here? They don't even have you don't even have the Ron Harper, Geo Baker excuse anymore. <laughs> you're letting a freshman and Paul Mulcahy beat you. Um, so but that that's fascinating. But there's also like there's really four teams in the Big Ten that you could talk yourself into winning the title, honestly, which is also fascinating, which, like you said, is the the folly that, you know, Jim Beheim wanted to point out for us. But I mean, Purdue with Zach Eady, Zach Eady looks like the national player of the year right now. I mean, that is just how he's playing. And he's also such a freak anyway that people want to talk about him. So he's got everyone's attention. And, you know, the, for for good reason, Maryland, like you mentioned, they're maniacs again. I mean, it's good. for I love that Maryland is back and they're actually in the fold and Kevin Willard has them them playing Maryland basketball. You got I saw that picture of the fans giving the double birds, you know what I mean? Yeah, I'm can like, we talk about this for a second cuz you're 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 uh, more well versed in Maryland fan lore yeah. than I am. Um but there does seem to be not when Maryland won the Big 10, their fans were loud, their fans were uh like like Maryland fans, and I say this affectionately, they're assholes and they love it. They love yeah, they, exactly. they they love the fact that they joined the Big Ten 
And all the Big Ten was like, who are these people and why are they in our conference? They do not fit in. They they are not invited to our Euchre tournaments that we're trying to play here in the Midwest. Keep these people out of here. They have no class whatsoever. And Maryland fans like here, Big Ten fans complain about that. And they're just good. They're, they're going they're crazy. Fired they're, up. they're fired up. <laughs> yeah. They're high-fiving each other. They're loving it. Um, so Maryland wins the Big Ten, and they're super obnoxious about it, like because that's uh, of course what they they you know and and, and Turgeon's an asshole to everyone, and and we remember when he won at Mar- uh, he won at Minnesota and did the post game press conference bitching to the Big Ten office about scheduling games on we're the only team that has to play on Tuesday night on the road apparently is what his complaint was, um, but uh, what I was gonna say Tate is this fe- this already feels different than it ever felt under Turgeon. Yeah, it already, and and I think it's what we were talking about with Dan Hurley, and that Kevin Willard is a cultural fit in Maryland in a way that Mark Turgeon never was. That, uh, as an outsider, it is kind of bizarre to look up. And Maryland's what eight and zero? I want to say are they eight and zero now? Um, they're eight and zero, and and Maryland fans are are have have fully drunk in the Kool Aid. They believe they're going to win the Big Ten. They believe they're they're that Kevin Willard's the guy. Away we go. Um, and it's and it's weird because I'm pretty sure I remember when Kevin Willard left Seton Hall, there wasn't a single tear shed by any Seton Hall fan. Like every Seton Hall fan was like, cool. Bring in Holloway. Bring yeah, in Shane like, Holloway. Yeah, like, we're, 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 yeah. we're not going to miss this guy at all. So when, when Maryland hired him and Maryland had been stuck in purgatory for so long, mm-hmm. uh, I thought, is this going to work out? Because like, this is a program. Not, I, I'm, I'm not going to do the thing where I say you have unrealistic expectations. Um, but there's there, like it felt like Maryland fans obviously had a very high bar that they had set for them, their program, and Turgeon kept like hitting the bar and then stopping and like w- just would not ju- for the life of him could not jump over the bar. He was just like, yeah. I just want to get to the bar and stop and let's just chill right here. Um, so when when Willard was hired, I thought this will be interesting. This will be interesting to see how patient they are with him. How um, you know because at Seton Hall it wasn't like he's going to Final Fours. It wasn't like he's winning the Big East every year. Um, but I got to say, dude, eight games in, it feels like they love him more than they ever loved. Then, then when Turgeon won the Big Ten, when Turgeon won the Big Ten, he wasn't even as beloved as, as Willard is right now. And I feel it's like crazy. Willard, yeah, it's crazy because it feels like you said, I mean, it's a cultural fit because Kevin Willard, his dad, Ralph Willard, knew how to recruit the DMV. And I think that, you know, Kevin comes in and is like, I get what Maryland should be. I get what Maryland basketball is about. I, I, I know what the people want to see. And these fans, I mean, Maryland fans, the reason why they were so great in the ACC and I loved them so much is because Duke is, you know, uh, obviously obnoxious. And Maryland would go in there and just absolutely just punk them, you know, with their own love. Like Grievous Vasquez playing in Cameron Indoor, it was like fire fighting fire, you know. (laughs) No one knew what to do. It was just flamethrower after flamethrower. And, uh, I mean, it's fun that Maryland's good. It's good because SVP is is back invested in college basketball. We need we need someone you know with that kind of profile invested in the sport, you know, caring about Maryland basketball. And uh, I mean, right now you can talk yourself into Maryland being a top five team. I mean, there's number six in the net, so and they have a real road win. So Graham Couch approves, Coach Titus approves. They've done all the things. They checked all the boxes. They played a good game against Illinois. I think Illinois is a good team. I think Illinois is also a team that I would include in that national title final four group, Indiana as well. So, I mean, I'm talking about four big 10 teams right there that, that have your attention. And it's fun that Maryland's one of them. Cause like you said, even when Turgeon was preseason number two and has mellow Trimble and, and all these pieces for whatever reason, you were kind of like, okay, we'll see. You know, that was always, yeah. the, that was always the, the, the kind of the temperament around it. And right now, 
I'm looking at Maryland and I'm saying, oh, they're kind of scary. And, and and Kevin Willard has these guys believing that, you know, they should be one of those teams. And I'm excited to see what happens. But there's something to be said. Uh, and I promise we, we don't have to talk all about the Big Ten because uh, I, I, I didn't mean for this to happen. We're just, we're just here now. But uh, uh, th- these cultural fits, man, and how, how important that is to people that uh, uh, Jameer Young is from, he, he went to DeMatha, right? The, the, the kid that hit the big so. shot. He, he's, he's killing it for Maryland, but he hit the big shot uh, against Illinois the, to ice the game. And um, I think he's a Maryland kid. I think he's from DeMatha, uh, played at Charlotte, transferred to Maryland. Uh, Kevin Willard, as you said, has like ties to the area, has more, has more of the East Coast vibe to him. And I, I think that resonates in a way that 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 Turgeon certainly never did, dude. Because Turgeon was Turgeon was a Midwest guy that like he he was he was he would just flip it on and on. Like when he was talking to Midwest people, he would put on his East Coast asshole whole thing, mm-hmm. you know, like I'm the coach of Maryland, or I'm gonna be but then when it felt like when he was dealing with Maryland people, he was like this bumpkin from kansas that like they were just like who the hell is this guy and like why is he <laughs> representing our program yeah uh, and it felt like he could never really like win them over um but it's in a similar in a similar vein like to just talk about cultural fits like this purdue team uh and, and sticking in the big 10 like purdue the way that they play is is like purdue fan it, it it is indiana basketball and i don't mean indiana university i mean the state of indiana i mean jimmy chitwood type shit uh zach Eady, of course i don't think hickory had a guy that was seven foot four that was space jam dunking on minnesota um but yeah i i think that's part of the excitement around these teams is you, you look at a team like houston houston culturally feels like it represents the city of houston that basketball team that they have in the university of houston the city of houston that fan base like the the toughness that they like that whole ethos of houston is represented by the basketball team you know what i mean same yeah. with yukon same with texas say like so i i think like that's what's interesting to me is like these top five teams that have emerged uh aren't just undefeated aren't just um winning a lot but they r- r- throw virginia in there too but uh and and maryland so there's six the top five plus maryland like they all seem to like culturally have have put it together in a way that like it's not just that they're winning it's how they're winning that has their fans so excited about where they're at right now yeah and i'm excited to watch i mean you know I, maryland has been annoying because of turgatory and i'm excited to have uh, a refreshed vision of maryland basketball what, what's your what's the let's do the wooden award watch list who do we got it's 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 zach Eady's to lose right yeah, I think at this point, right? I mean, I, I want to talk myself into other guys, and obviously guys have had big games, but Edie just has done – I mean, we joked that Obi Toppin, you know, your favorite thing to bring up during that run was that he dunked between his legs, but I think now we can we can continue to point to that with Zach Edie. I mean, this dunk that he just had – I had, like, little cousins reach – you know, they're like, this is sick. You know, I mean, Zach Edie. He he's like this is the one to, to describe menu. it to people that didn't see it. He 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 had a I I said it was a space jam type dunk. I think they said yeah, that on the call when he did it. They're like, yeah, he's out he's... of arm's reach. You would think for any human being that we've ever seen, but somehow I mean he stretched Armstrong two hand dunks it over a defender, and uh, I mean you know only something that a seven foot two man Yao Ming maybe could do it. Shaq maybe could do it, but. I mean, it was, you know, it was of a different planet, which is why it looked like a monster uh, or Michael Jordan when he actually stretches out in Space Jam. Um, but, yeah, it was it was one of those moments where you're like, whoa, uh, yeah. Zach Eadie. And uh, we talked about the secondary bigs now being the primary bigs in college basketball this season. Edie was one of those guys. And uh, I think he has stood out alone, even though Sheboy continues to put up double. double you know what I mean? All these guys are. Well, I, numbers, I, I, but Edie's doing something different right now. And Edie has improved drastically from right last year. I think part part of the uh, the story with Edie's production going through the roof 
is uh, obviously Travion Williams not eating into, eating into his minutes. Yeah. Um, but he's improved so much, dude. He's not just like a big lumbering oaf out there. That's just like, <laughs> like I mean, uh, he 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 did he that has, on his draft card. No longer yeah, a big lumbering. No longer. Uh, yeah. Billis is gonna have that on the yeah. <laughs> just steal that from me. Um. <laughs> No, there, there were there were times last year you watched him where it felt like his role in the team was to foul and be fouled, you know. <laughs> and he's just out there to like sumo wrestle almost. Yeah. And uh, he had flashes. Fun. Like I don't mean to I don't mean to suggest he wasn't like a good basketball because there were flashes and he'd hit you know when he's hitting like his little baby hook and it's unblockable and you're just like, yeah, this guy's incredible. But uh, then then there are times where he's like very easily pushed off the block. He 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 uh you know he gets pushed off balance a little bit and he would travel and throw the ball away and um all that kind of stuff. I think his footwork has improved dramatically. I think his understanding of the game has improved dramatically. I think uh, whether that's his off-season work that's got him to this point or whether it is like knowing he, he gets to play extended minutes now without Travion Williams, either way, this point that we've arrived at, Zach Eady does look like a completely different – I would say completely. Looks like a different player. He looks like an actual basketball player who's huge versus yeah. just like an enormous man who is like learning how to play basketball. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, no, um, so I, I was just gonna say, like, so that, so like the improvement that Edie has made, and also Sonogo is another guy that, like, I I just foam at the mouth when I watch play, like how he, he's added, like the he, he's shooting threes. Like, I don't love that he's shooting threes, but I love that he's keeping defenses honest and he can shoot threes. And I guess, like, when I think about who's gonna win the Wooden Award, this this stuff matters in terms of have we seen it before? And like Trace Jackson Davis is going to to be incredible all season. He's going to stuff the stat sheets all season. Indiana's going to win a ton of games. They might win the Big Ten. They might go to a Final Four. Who the hell knows? But Trace Jackson Davis, Mike Woodson gets the job. Uh, the The story is that Trace Jackson Davis is is going to spend all offseason working on his jump shot, working on his right hand. This man did neither one of those things. He's yeah. still the exact same player. Now, the player that he was is, was great, and he's going to continue to be great. But like as a guy who's... Uh, I, you know, as as we're talking about like these sorts of awards, like that's the kind of stuff that and and I think Oscar's gonna fall victim to the same sort of thing. Like, what is Oscar Sheboy? What is he doing this year that he didn't do last year? It's not fair. That's not how it should work. I understand yeah. that, but I think that shit matters, doesn't it? I think so too. And I think that's why, like Umar Balo, you know, for Arizona is another guy who probably will end up if he continues to play like he is, like because of the improvement you know, in his game and the fact that he's putting... And it's just numbers. new. It's like a novel yeah. thing. Like, Drew, that's why Drew Timmy, I, I never took seriously as, like, National Player of the Year contender this year. It's like, there, there's no way that people... Drew Timmy's got to average, like, 30 a game for people to, like, be wild by him at this point because we know who he is. He does the yeah. same... And he's a good player, but it's just kind of... Hunter Dickinson's the same thing. I mean, yeah. yeah Hunter Dickinson's it, the yeah, same you, thing. You yeah. put up 20 and 10, that's amazing. But like you said, I mean, you, you it just feels like it's expected almost, which is unfortunate because that's not how it necessarily always goes but Edie Edie started playing basketball when he was 15 and that is like it gives a Joel Embiid kind of vibe to his development um, where he he started the game so late so you get more enticed by the the growth potential there and the fact that he's going to develop and he has such size because he's only going to get better and he's only been playing the game for however many years four or five years or maybe not even that long so uh, in general, I'm. I think that's why he's exciting because I think he'll get better as the year goes on. This year, we'll see improvement. Um, and that was what was happening with Embiid at Kansas. Like when I mean, obviously ends up getting injured, but there were times during that season. Once we got in February, you're like, whoa, yeah, yeah, starting yeah. to click. What the hell? Yeah. This is going to be crazy. Like if this guy gets like, if we see this in March. This is unstoppable. 
this guy's doing dream shakes. Like, <laughs> I mean, and and that's the thing with Edie. You don't know what the ceiling is. And uh, that, that's Edie why. Starts, Edie starts turning and facing jab step, step backs. So. <laughs> I mean, if he does, we're we're in major trouble. Sorry, Victor Wimbanyama, but Zach Edie's on the board. I mean, some teams will be excited about that. <laughs> um, So I, I, w- I was thinking about it. Like, it, it, who who has a chance... Uh, th- does any non-big have a chance whatsoever of winning this thing? Because I think Sasser just Sasser, of- yeah, Sasser's probably the best shot. Like he's averaging, I think, seventeen points a game for the number one team in the country. They're, uh, they're going to be number one as long as they keep winning, especially if they beat Virginia at Virginia. Um, like I said, I, the 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 undefeated talk's going to start. Not that it's like realistic, and and we should actually treat it like it's going to happen. But you know how this stuff works. Um, of course. When you look up at their schedule and you're like, oh yeah, they're going to be favored by by five in every at least in every single game they're playing the rest of the year. Uh, yeah, let's let's start talking about it. Are they going to go undefeated? Um, so uh, Sasser's the name that jumps out to me. Hami Hakez isn't going away. By the way, he's mm. not going to go away. He's he's I I don't know. UCLA is going to have to as a team. I I, I think like it sucks being on the West Coast and they kind of blew it in that Vegas doubleheader they had. Um, or I don't know how many more opportunities they're going to have. They, they do play Kentucky. Uh, but even, well, what even is that anymore? You know what yeah, I mean? but what like, is, yeah, does Kentucky yeah. move that? I mean, Kentucky played Michigan and London, and I don't know a soul that watched. I don't, I don't know a single <laughs> it, person. It was that, the, probably the worst timing ever. I know that, you know, they had to push it back apparently because, because of COVID. So that's why it was when it was. But it, it was the most innocuous game. Like, I mean, anonymous moment of, in college basketball history. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, it was great that it was in London. What, what a mile marker, but also no one saw it. I mean, yeah, they were playing in London as England was playing in a World Cup game. <laughs> <laughs> NFL Sunday's going on. Um, yeah, not the time. Uh, w- one guy that I think is, is very much in the hunt that uh, will also be around for a while is Jalen Wilson at Kansas. Yeah. I agree. I think he's gonna he's he's averaging twenty two points and nine rebounds a game right now, dude. And, and Kansas, Kansas is looking better, by the way, too. Kansas yeah. is one of those teams where they're hanging around and they're already, I think they were still like seventh in the AP poll. So I mean, and they've only lost one game. And he has it, it Kansas is not only obviously a blue blood and defending national champion, but playing in the Big Twelve, uh I that, that stuff matters to where um you have opportunities to to play in big games regularly where you're on that that's what i worry about with sasser like sasser's blueprint has to be the the jameer nelson 2004 blueprint you know mm-hmm. where the, i don't think they necessarily need to go undefeated in the regular season but houston just has to win a ton of games where they're they enter the ncaa tournament with like 34 35 wins well I, I guess that might make them undefeated uh 30 something wins you know and then like every other team has like three or four losses you know yeah, exactly. and houston they, is just like on a different level above. in terms of their record yeah yeah and Sasser's averaging 18 a game, and like that's his blueprint to to winning Player of the Year. A dark horse Tate that I'm not saying is in my top five, but I'm saying let's keep an eye on him. Watch list. This is watch list talk. Okay, let's uh, talk. Chris Murray at Iowa. Chris Murray at Iowa. He is he is he is going to uh, his brother. He he's his brother. He's literally he he's he's a twin. His twin brother was incredible. He is also. As pretty much uh doing what his brother was doing last year and uh i i i think he's a guy that like is not on people's radar because keegan murray uh went to the nba and everyone's like okay thank god we're done with that guy you're not you're not done with that guy there's yeah. another one of them 
and he's still there and he's very very good and he <laughs> and also gonna, like he's gonna he, have he's nice like the opposite like, instead of going right he goes left he like does everything the opposite so if you learned it right then you know watch out for chris because you you have to it's totally different so that's fun too yeah so i don't but virginia i don't think has it i don't think like virginia's problem is they're too balanced like beekman and franklin and uh guard like they're all too I don't think any of those guys have any shot, do they? Beekman's the only one I, I, that, that, that would really stand out, you know, but I, I don't think, I can't see voters getting behind a Reese Beekman push. I think Beekman could win ACC player of the year, you know, but I don't think he could mm, win national mm-hmm. player of the year. What about, uh, what about the Texas guards? Tyrese Hunter, Marcus Carr, one of those guys. I mean, Hunter. Do they have any sort of path? I mean, Hunter already won the the freshman of the year in the Big Twelve or newcomer of the year, whatever the title is for them. But I, I uh, so I could see him being back into the award situation. But maybe there's some sort of shadow reasoning behind him not getting the votes because people are a little upset he transferred, you know, in conference. So maybe that holds him back. Carr also will will freeze him out of games and keep the ball. So I think a lot of people when they watch Texas will think that Marcus Carr is the is the star. Yeah, I think Carr um, has a better shot. Yeah. I think Marcus Carr has a better shot because Marcus Carr has more potential to score thirty-two points at Kansas or something. You know? Exactly. Or have, the, have that game. To, to, have and, that and Heisman the, moment. Yeah. Game. Yeah. Yeah. Have he's he's more likely to have the the Heisman moment game as you said. Um, no, but I but I think uh, you know coming into the year it was a big man's award. It was big. It was it was the year of the big man, and I think it's going to continue to be that. It's just funny that it's not the big men that we had at the top of the list necessarily. <laughs> like Baycott, I think Baycott and Dickinson are out. I think they've already lost national player of the year. Not that they. I mean, know, Baycott lost, that that, lost national player of the year uh, as soon as Trace Jackson Davis did what he did at Indiana. You know what I mean? And granted, yeah, Baycott was hurt or, or and all that sort of stuff. But at the end of the day, you can't go up head to head against someone you know that's supposed to be competing with you for that kind of position, and they dominate you know the matchup. So yeah. I shouldn't I, I shouldn't say that because D- Dickinson's putting up numbers, but I I think both of those guys, if we're treating it like a let's treat it like a college football playoff situation, take both those guys need help. Like they're yeah. they're they're. Dickinson's going to keep doing what Dickinson does, and he's going to, you know, post double doubles. And and but Michigan is is not looking particularly great right now. Um, and I don't. It, he's going to need Sonogo and Zach Eady and Trace Jackson Davis and Oscar Shibway to stop playing super well. You know, because I think yeah, I think Michigan and Dickinson have already dug themselves a hole that I don't think Mich- I don't think Dickinson really has a path right now unless like other dudes get hurt that are above him on my watch list or. You know, they start losing like crazy. Like Purdue just goes on like a six-game losing streak, or something like that happens. Or he, or he dominates Edie. I don't know. Like something, something that I can't fork that my algorithm doesn't have me has, <laughs> that has doesn't have. Uh, my algorithm is not forecasting. Something has to happen for for Dickinson or Baycott to be back in the mix. I think. Yeah, Baycott. The only way I see him getting back in the mix is if he has like what Anthony Davis is doing right now for the Lakers, where everyone forgot. Like if he goes on a 10, 10 game run where he's dominating and putting up like forty five and twenty efforts or something like that, like what Anthony Davis is doing, and now he's the MVP of the league, and everyone else in the league is like he's played ten games, you know, like we yeah. remember when he wasn't playing. So maybe that is uh, the the only path. But at the end of the day, I think it's Edie's award to lose right now. And uh, we knew it was going to be about the bigs, but it, it turns out it was just the biggest, the biggest man. Yeah, it's the biggest man. Yeah, the biggest man. Who is the biggest yeah. man? Who's the largest that is, man? That is who's going to get my vote. And I think it's Zach Eady. <laughs> Um, Anything else from this weekend that you want to talk about before we talk to Rutherford? 
I mean, Baylor Gonzaga, it happened. I mean, I, I uh, you know, I, I don't think many people were were locked in on that game. It happened on Friday. Um, Baylor beat the Zags. The Zags are are a confusing team. You know, we that's why that... the Zags are going to do. Uh, Gonzaga is going to do. Um, what Gonzaga is following the pattern of. Uh, they're they're going to they're going to fall off so much that then I'm going to be put in the position where I was the guy at the start of the year saying they're overrated, and then by by like February or March, I'm going to be probably leading the charge that like Gonzaga is actually better than. <laughs> yeah. Well, because so they're getting they're credit gonna, for now. They're going to get deep probably not. I don't know. We'll see. We'll yeah. see. But like that's that's what I I'm trying to. Uh, that's that's what I'm guessing is going to happen because Gonzaga continues to lose. Like Gonzaga is at this point, I don't want to say completely irrelevant in the national title, but like it, it I, I'm not surprised by this. What, what we've seen out of Gonzaga, I don't. I don't. We we said it at the start of the year. Like their guard play isn't as elite as it's been, and um, Timmy's not good enough to carry a team without great guards around him, and to national title and that's just what it is and uh but i still think they're going to be a good team so I, I i'm fascinated to see what gonzaga ends up being but right now get them out of my face yeah i mean the the fact that the preseason number one and number two teams are where they are right now and we just started december is pretty shocking so i mean that yeah that's i mean, what I mean by chaos in college basketball it's not just you know i mean it's a lot of teams that are that are so i mean michigan state right i mean Tom Izzo, we we're praising this. We're praising him two weeks ago, saying what a genius, and now it's like, what an idiot. Why didn't he get more depth? <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? right, so right. It's uh, it, it has been crazy to to kind of keep up with all the ebbs and flows of it all. But I mean, Gonzaga, like you said, they'll still be in the mix at some point, and maybe if they're a four seed, that might be better than them being a one or a two seed. Weirdly, this year, um, so that that's also a big thing. Let's uh let, let's let's talk what we really want to talk to, which is Louisville basketball. I, I this team fascinates the hell out of me, and um, there's only one man that can help make help us make sense of what the hell is going on in Louisville and how it got to this point. Uh, so let's talk to Mike Rutherford. Let's do it. Quick break to get a word from our sponsors. Roback is back, and college basketball is back too. There isn't a better duo, and we couldn't be more excited. First, Roback's performance hoodies are a total game changer. Maybe the softest, stretchiest hoodies in the game. From college athletes to professionals, people can't take them off, myself included. The best part about wearing a Roback hoodie is when you see someone else wearing one, you just give them that subtle nod because you know they just get it. Second, Roback's performance Q-zips bring a new meaning to the word comfortable. They are the definition of versatile as well. Perfect to rock in any arena or on your couch. They are incredible. Finally, Roback's performance polos are the only polos we wear here at Titus and Tate. You can't find a better looking, better feeling performance polo. Even if you're not a polo guy, these polos are just too good not to throw on. Roback has been gaining traction big time, fresh off announcing their sponsorships with potential National Player of the Year, Armando Baycott and UVA star Kihei Clark. These guys are on a roll. We always buy that two-striped ridge on the back in the wild. We told you before, and we truly mean it, there is no better time to hop on the Roback train than now. So use the code TITUS on Roback.com for a generous 20% off your first purchase through the end of this week. That's spelled R-H-O-B-A-C. K.com. That's 20% off all polos, quarter zips, and hoodies with the code Titus. Make sure to get your holiday shopping done with Roback. 
We're also brought to you by our friends at Buy Optimizer. Have you guys heard about Buy Optimizer? My buddy has been taking their new supplement and telling me all about it and how it's made him feel. One of the best things you can do to improve your health is get at least seven hours of quality sleep every night. I know it's hard to do that. It's hard to get that much sleep. Your mind keeps you awake. You can't get comfortable. You wake up early, can't fall asleep again. There are hundreds of reasons why you can't get seven hours of quality sleep every night. But listen, it's super important because your body heals itself when you sleep. And if you're not getting enough quality sleep, you're increasing your risk of disease and making it harder to lose weight. Would you like to know an easy way to get more quality sleep every night? Make sure you're getting enough magnesium. Believe it or not, studies show around 75% of people don't have enough of it, which helps explain why so many people have sleep problems. Unfortunately, most magnesium supplements are not full spectrum, so they most likely won't fix your magnesium deficiency or help you sleep better. There are actually seven unique forms of magnesium, and you should get all of them if you want to experience the calming, sleep-enhancing effects. That's why I recommend Magnesium Breakthrough by Buy Optimizers. Simply take two capsules before you go to bed, and you'll be amazed by how much better you sleep and how much more rested you feel when you wake up. For an exclusive offer for our listeners, go to www.magbreakthrough.com Tate and enter code Tate to get 10% off on any order. Again, this is www.magbreakthrough.com Tate. These products and statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease or condition. All right, the last time this man was on, uh, I believe we were celebrating. I don't know if Louisville had won the offseason yet, but I think they they had taken a, a halftime trending lead. Trending up. Trending. The Louisville Cardinals had taken a halftime lead into the offseason uh, with the hire of Milt Wagner, which meant that DJ Wagner's commitment was imminent. Amani Bates' commitment, because uh, Amani Bates had entered the transfer portal out of Memphis. He, it was imminent that he was going to Louisville. Uh, the Kenny Payne era was underway. Suck it, haters. Our time is now, but boy, a lot has changed between now and then, Mike. Let me just say, I've been watching a lot of bad Christmas movies in my house recently, and there's a point in every single one of these movies where one of the characters utters this line, I knew this day was going to come. I've been dreading it every day for the last 30 years. And that's been me listening. I listen to Pretty much every Tyson Tate, you know, the NBA stuff in the summer kind of, I, I can only take so much. <laughs> but, but, but like you, you guys, for the last month and a half, every brief mention of Louisville has been like, yeah, we got to get Mike back on the show. And I'm sitting there like the, the Danny DeVito gif where he's just like shaking his head furiously, like, no, no, no. Don't like, do it. Please don't. I, knew, I knew it was coming. I knew we were going to have to talk about this. And uh-huh. here I am. Um, who would have thought that like after the IARP gives Louisville the all clear? This would be the most dreaded episode I've done with you guys in like the last <laughs> no, four no, no, years. No, 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 no. I don't think I don't think this is dreaded. I think I I I don't want to. Uh, we we you listen to the show, so you know we're not dancing on Louisville Graves anymore. We're not making jokes. We I I have redacted all my jokes. Yeah. I've taken the I have. If you come to my uh, apartment here in L, if you're ever in LA, Mike, you can come on over. You can see I used to have a lot of banners in my house of all the best jokes I I've told on the show, um, and a lot of them are Louisville. I've taken all those banners down. All the Louisville <laughs> jokes I made, I've taken them all down. Uh, out of respect to your program. This is not a joke to us anymore. We are looking forward. We're trying to figure out how to fix this, but you are absolutely right. I will put my hand up. I was looking at Louisville's schedule. I saw Florida State was coming up, and I was like, there's a non-zero chance you could win this game. Um, so we got to get Mike on while they're still over. <laughs> yeah. Because I was I was also watching the game the other day uh, against Miami, 
and holy shit. Like, I guess like that's what's fascinating to me is I can't look away. Like, what is it? What is it about this team that like I've seen a lot of shitty basketball in my time, but like this Louisville team, I really do feel like I need to watch every game because it's just like I've never seen a team this bad, like in terms of of it's not just that they're losing. It's like they don't know how to play basketball at all. You're right. I mean, I don't know what to add to that. I, 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 I go on after the Miami game because I, you know, I'm a glutton for punishment. I go check out the the profile in Ken Palm after every game. Like, oh, have we dropped 35 spots? Have we dropped 40 <laughs> spots? Like, how bad is it? And somebody had asked a question about the assisted turnover rate, and so I went and looked up the you know, the turnover rate is, is insanely high. The assist rate. I don't know how I know you guys enjoy Ken Palm, your your fellow math enthusiasts like myself. Yeah, of course. The assist rate, the color is fucking purple. And I apologize <laughs> for the language. But like I thought Ken Palm was only like, like green for good stuff, red for bad stuff. It's like have we broken Ken Palm? We've got new colors <laughs> that I haven't seen in the last 15 years for this team. That's how bad they are. And like I I I could rant about this all day because it just genuinely drive me crazy. They're not getting any better. Like that's the thing. They're they're, they're worse than they were in the, the exhibition game against Lenore Ryan. Can you explain to people how how you got here? Because I guess that's confusing to us that that aren't plugged into Louisville basketball. Um, like we 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 didn't we knew you guys weren't going to be good this year, but uh, th- this bad. Like how is it this bad? Like what what happened? What how did? Um, yeah, like what, what? How are we here? Everybody deserves blame. Like that's what it sort of has to be. Like like you've got guys because in town there's still very much a divide. It's it's weakening between people who believe Kenny Payne can still do no wrong and people who think Kenny Payne was a terrible hire and should have never been here in the first place. Certainly the the, the latter group is gaining more momentum in recent weeks, but you still have some people who are like, look at the players last year. Chris Mack said he couldn't motivate him. Chris Mack said he couldn't get through to him. He never knew what he was going to get to them get from them on a game-to-game basis, you got to start blaming the players, right, Mike? And I'm like, this is the worst start in the history of Power Conference basketball. You blame everybody. There's <laughs> nobody. The water boys, the players, <laughs> past players, the coaches, Kenny Klein, the SID for leaving this program high and dry after last year. Every Me? Everybody deserves blame for what's going me. on here. <laughs> Mike takes blame. <laughs> Mike just... I just, I did the voice for the intro video last year, and um, and it was like I was like a lifelong dream. I'm a huge U of L fan. Like my voice is at the KFCM Center before every game, and of course it was the worst season in the history of my lifetime. So the one saving grace right now is my intro video is no longer the worst season in the history of global basketball. It's all I have to hang on to. But this like how did it get this bad? This summer, I mean. I kind of tried, I feel like I tried to warn people and I don't want to toot my own horn, but I love to toot my own horn. And I was like, you guys, this team, we may be worse than we were last year. We, we got nobody in the transfer portal, basically. Yeah. We got six guys coming back from last year's team, which great. It was the worst team of any of our lifetimes. How much do you, <laughs> yeah, do you really buy into that? Back. Yeah. Exactly. I, I was like, this may be not be more than like an 11, 12 or 13 win team. And people flipped out on me over this. Like I was labeled anti-Kenny Payne. I was labeled a Payne hater. I'm mm-hmm. like, I, I, and now it's like 12 wins is a dream for this team. Like they may not get to four wins. What do we? And so I think everybody's kind of wondering the same thing that you are. There's enough, like, this is one of the least talented teams of my lifetime that should go without saying. There's still more than enough talent on this team to not be losing every game by 15 plus. Louisville had never lost mm-hmm. more than three games in a row 
by 15 points. They've lost five straight games by 15. Louisville has had one. They've played basketball for 110 seasons now. They've had one season in 110 years where they've lost 20 games. It was uh, Denny Crumbs. It was 1998. UK won the national title. We beat them. Don't you know? Who, who cares? Don't you know? Not a big deal. We beat the national champions. <laughs> lost 20 games. This team is now flirting with going like one in 30 or two in 29 if things don't change dramatically. It's bad. I think we all sort of thought it was going to be bad. There's no excuse for it being this bad. It's no excuse. There's no excuse for it being this putrid. And every game, like I said, it's it seems to be getting worse. The effort level's not there. And that's the one thing that drives me crazy if we're talking seriously for a second. It's fine to not have the type of talent that you are hoping to have moving forward and you get you get it going on the recruiting trail. The one thing that I think we all expected from this team, and the one thing that everybody expects when there's a big coaching change and the, the past regime was viewed as unfavorable. You expect the team to play just balls to the wall. You expect them to play their, their asses off every time. They're not going to get outworked by anybody. This team gets outworked by everybody. And, <laughs> and it, it's why there are so many dramatic, like there are red flags everywhere right now because he cannot motivate this team to do anything. And it's 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 driving everybody nuts. Mike, I will say when we were in Maui, I mean, we we heard that, you know, Kenny Payne was going to work these guys. He was going to do uh, a two-a-day practice. He was going to make them run sprints. He, and, and Titus and I, we hear all this, and we look at each other, and we're like, does he know that they have three games <laughs> coming up? Why, why would you do this before they play three games in paradise? And the, the, the bright side was we did talk to some Louisville fans on the ground, and they said, look, Kenny Payne's bringing back you know, the, the doctors of dunk era. He's bringing back those players that Rick Pitino kind of you know, pushed away from the program. So that's encouraging that he's trying to, to bring back that history. But from the outside looking in, just in that tournament, I mean, it felt like Kenny Payne was having a reunion with his buddies. And they were just like enjoying wearing their Louisville gear. And they, they you know, it didn't seem like a sense of urgency. But again, on the bright side, if you look at the net rankings, Houston Christian is below you and Hartford is below you. So Louisville, not the worst team. That's true. You're not the worst team in the net, Mike. There is there is some things to spin forward, but Titus and I, I, I think we have, you know, Titus keeps putting out the Batman meme for Rick Pitino, but yeah. we're at a point where we got to hire somebody, I think, and it might not be Rick Pitino, but it might be Rick Stansberry, yeah. who's what's also the, in Kentucky. Don't say that. Don't, 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 don't do that to me. What's not right the, now. No, Mike, what's the, what's the move, though? Because you can't, I, I mean, you can do what you want. Louisville This is can't cool. stand. This Louisville's kid. a school that hasn't really seemed to give a shit about optics and PR <laughs> really ever. So I, but I gotta, I gotta think like you can't fire your, your alum that you brought back. That's like the, you know, the, the, the big hire that's going to write the ship nine, 10, 11 games into this. You can't fire Kenny Payne right now, obviously. Like there's no way that can happen uh, eight games into his career. But at the same time, you can't, you, you, you're not wrong. Like you guys could go one and 30 this year. Yeah, uh, I mean, what what's the what's the move? Like, I don't, I don't, I don't know what the hell we do here. What do we do? How do Tate and I help? Yeah. That's I do a three-hour radio show here every day, and besides today, where we're talking about football because our head coach left for Cincinnati. Besides that, that what you just said at the end is basically how I feel three hours. Like, what the hell do we do here? Like, like <laughs> you can't you can't spend three hours breaking down the game. It's like, well, they were historically we bad yeah. again. It's not getting yeah. like you can't you can't do that. So I think everybody is kind of wondering. You know, how bad does it have to get for there to potentially be a move after a year? Like, if you, do you fire him if you go one and 30? Do you fire him if you go five and 26? Like, is there a chance? I mean, the, the main thing that we hear, that I certainly hear in the city now is, is there a chance that he just says, this isn't for me at the end of the season? Because mm. there was Good a guy bunch move. Of, 
Yeah, classic yeah. good guy move. That's a good guy move for sure. There was a lot of talk when he took the job. I mean, he even said himself, like he had to be talked into taking the job. He was very happy living the life that he had been, like lifelong assistant, kind of the guy behind the scenes, very well paid at both Kentucky and with the Knicks. Like he was he was happy, but he felt an obligation to his teammates. He felt an obligation to, you know, the, the players who had felt ostracized when Rick Patino was here and all that stuff to come back and do it. But maybe he just doesn't like coaching. I think that that's what people are kind of hanging on to. But like, you certainly can't fire him now. His buyout's $10 million. It's pathetic that we all, like everybody in Louisville can read you the buyout numbers <laughs> a, a month and a half into the, it's, it's $10 million now. It goes down by $2 million every year after that. Everybody knows that. Every single Louisvillian knows that fact. But it is remarkable to me how quickly it's gone from, he's bringing the former players back, kumbaya in the summer, everybody's happy, to, well, I'm glad the former players are happy. Maybe we let an actual athletic director make the hire next time. It is it is turned on a dime because this is Louisville basketball, for God's sake. Yeah. Ten years ago, we were about to win a national title. That team's going to be honored this season when they play Clemson, and the record may be like 2-18 and 18 for that game. It is it is. I, I'll say this, and I've said this before. I'll say it again. I never thought, regardless of the circumstances, you know, death penalty, two-year postseason ban, can't play on TV, some weird NCAA rule where you can only play guys shorter than 5'8 because the NCAA hates you. <laughs> I never thought, I never thought it'd ever get this bad. Yeah. And it has. And yeah. I don't know where you go from here. Well, the good news also, uh, just just one last point. The good news also is that California is zero and nine, so you are not the only uh, power conference team to be struggling at this level. And California is also a program that should be, you know, at least respectable. So if I'm Louisville, every single day I'm tweeting out California, and they lost another game. I, I am I am deflecting all all <laughs> propaganda to California. Don't press the same breath as Cal. Come on, <laughs> is that what's happened? I mean, you're still like you know. Top 10 all-time wins, all these Final Fours, all these national titles. And now we're like, hey, we're the same as Cal. A current general writer, Brett Dawson, who does a great job covering the team for the CJ as the beat writer. He's like, this is the dumbest thing I've ever written, but I'm you know, running out of ideas at this point. He he interviewed me for a hypothetical if Louisville played Cal. Yeah, that's what I'm... Type game. And Get... I'd like, I'd like research it. I like broke it down. I'm like, <laughs> well, Cal... Cal has been better against power conference teams. They haven't lost by 15 in any of their five tries. Louisville's been better against the bad teams. Cal was terrible against their bad teams. Louisville lost by one in their three. And then I was like, looking at their Ken Palm profiles, they both do one thing kind of well and shoot free throws. There would, <laughs> there would be 73 turnovers combined in this game if they played. I took Louisville 17 to 16. I don't feel overly confident about that, but I think, I think we'd get the job done. I, I need a uh, I need a new Champions Classic with. Uh, Louisville, Cal, Oregon State of last year, who I think went three and twenty-eight, and then the two thousand nine Hoosiers, uh, the two thousand yeah. the the Indiana team that uh, Crean's you know first real team in Indiana, which is I think I think that's the worst basketball team I ever remember, um, just being appalled at how bad they are, and I I'm not even saying this for effect, like I would rather watch that team play than this Louisville team because that team. What you were saying earlier, Mike, like that, the 2009 Indiana team was, was I'm going to say it like, and there's been a lot of shitty Northwestern basketball teams. That's the worst Big Ten team of all time for me. That was, that team was, was absolutely atrocious, did not belong on a Big Ten court. Uh, but they tried, they actually cared. Exactly. Like, like the guys that were out there, like I remember playing against in high school, um, and they were dudes that like I grew up 
Like they, I, I like, I, I remember when we played Indiana at one point in 2009, I was like stunned at who they were rolling out in the starting lineup. And I looked at my dad and I was like, dad, I could start in Indiana if I just would have gone to you. <laughs> um, but like the dudes that were out there, they, they were guys like me that sucked ass, but like, they were like, I'm going to give it my all. And like, if you leave them wide open, they could actually hit open shots. You know, it was, it was, just, they were just basically an intramural team. This Louisville team can't dribble. They can't shoot. Nope. They don't seem to care. Nope. Uh, it's, it's, I, 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 I think your solution is you hope for, I, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think you hope that uh, Kenny Payne pulls a Mark Turgeon and quits in the middle of the season and blames it on the fans and says, everyone is really mean to me. And it, it feels like, it feels like people really seem to not like me as the coach. So maybe I should leave, I guess. <laughs> the, the one, I mean, going back to the effort thing, cause you're totally right. Like watching that Indiana team, I remember watching some of their games when they would get close to winning. Like my IU friends would be like, Oh, we got to turn the game on. I'm like, ah, we're watching IU Northwestern at 9 PM on a Saturday night. Like, what are we doing <laughs> yeah, here? We're, yeah. we're we're 23 years old. Let's just go have fun. But like they played hard and, and they gave effort. And I think that's what everybody was expecting from this season. The worst straw man argument that is driving me crazy because look, mobile fans are on, on both sides of, of this coin are extreme. And understandably so. I think everybody is, it all goes back to the last five to seven years and all of the, the shit that this fan base has been through. Everybody is so desperate for this thing to get back to being fun, for this to get back to being the local basketball that we all grew up with that was in our DNA since birth. And that's why I think you see people that are, are so extreme in their opinions. But the the, the pro Kenny Payne side that, that is adamant that he's going to be the guy that can get us back to prominence, them saying, you guys expected him to come right away in year one and turn <laughs> this thing around and get to final fours. I'm like, nobody expected that. Like, nobody thought most people didn't think this would be a tournament team, but they expected them to at least play hard. This team, I mean, th they're giving the ball away on dribble handoffs and then just not running back and watching like the other team miss four layups before we even have one guy that's in the picture on the screen who gets across half court. It is mind blowing how little they seem to care and that was our biggest issue with firing, with with you know parting ways with Chris Mack was he couldn't motivate the players. He seemed to have some bad attitudes. I mean, we've got Sidney Curry was this team's best player down the stretch last season. He went head to head with Armando Baycott in the paint and played very well against North Carolina twice last year. Just put up twenty eight against Wake Forest. Was great in the ACC, ACC ACC tournament against Virginia. And he comes out this year and is a ghost out there in the post. He does nothing, and we keep asking Kenny Payne, "What's the deal?" And he's like, "Well, it's his, it's his bad conditioning." You said all we did this summer was condition. How, how does this happen? How How is this not your fault this is happening? It, it, there are so many just mysteries with this team that don't make any sense. It is all bad. And I think I said on, on your show the last time I came on, there were two ways for Kenny Payne to kind of put skeptics, like myself when he was hired, on his side, to, to, to give tangible evidence that he's the guy who can get Louisville back. The one... The first way was to overachieve on the court this year with a limited roster, not coming close to happening. Mm -hmm. The second was to kill it in recruiting. You, 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 you're a, a top six, top seven all-time program. You're hiring a guy who's never been a head coach. There has to be a, a give to that take. And we, what we were supposed to be getting was a guy who's going to get the type of recruits that Louisville's never gotten. Even under Patino, even in the heyday of Crum, like he's going to bring in five-star guys. I don't know if you guys have been following. That's not exactly happening right now either. Like, He's he's giving the fan base right now, and maybe this changes in the next month or so. I hope it does. He's giving the fan base nothing to hold on to and point to as far as having hope for the future. Outside of a seven-point exhibition win over Chaminade, there's been <laughs> nothing. Uh all right. Well, let's let's find something then. You got you got Florida, that. you got Florida State on Saturday. Um, 
Cameron Fletcher is out for the year, right? Is they they officially announced that 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 fall he had at Virginia was oh, that was that that's the that's the like watch it once and then never watch it again type injury where you're just like get that yeah. turn that off immediately. But um, it's at Florida State. I Florida State has been uh they're 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 not good, but they're they're at least competitive and they played Virginia well and they played Purdue well and we're we're not feeling good about this one, are we, Mike? Which one are you certain? Like, was Western Kentucky? You got Western Kentucky at home. Um, are are do we have any confidence in that? No, you're shaking your head. No, that's, that's we're using no. we're using the hashtag. We've been I've been using the hashtag all eyes on December seventeenth. One, it's the <laughs> <Lord> <laughs> it's 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 the Louisville Cincinnati bowl game now, which but it's it's Cardmageddon. This is the biggest day in program history. The we're playing our old coach who's not going to be coaching in a bowl game, our old rival, and we're playing Florida AM, who's the worst team on our schedule and the only team that it feels like we should probably be able to beat. You know, they just lost to somebody we played by like a million. I can't remember who it was, but they're they're terrible. Florida State, we've had like in Tallahassee, Louisville has not been able to beat Florida State at all recently. Like they have, they have owned good Louisville teams. I can't imagine. I know they're bad, but this is the worst Louisville team of all time. I can't imagine that's going to go swimmingly for Kenny Payne down there. Western Kentucky, they're more talented this year than they were last year. They hammered us last season and then turned around and lost to Kentucky by thirty, which made us feel terrible. They, I mean, they're pretty good. I don't feel great about that one. So it's all eyes on December seventeenth. All eyes on December seventeenth. Blinders on. Tunnel vision until December 17th is where my focus is. It's where my focus is going to remain. The Rattlers don't want this. We're not losing that game, folks. Is there any hope, Mike, that like Kenny Payne is is sandbagging more than anyone ever and December 31st you can upset Kentucky? Because I think that's the funniest thing that could happen for all of content, that you guys go in over into Kentucky. It's the last game of the year. You can then when you turn the new leaf into the new year, you just say it's behind us. That was 20- or Syracuse. You guys, you guys play Syracuse the next game, which I think like beating Bayheim would be like your first <laughs> your first win beat over Jim Bayheim. That would be that that feels special to me. I mean, like that's that's hilarious. But yeah, Kentucky would be incredible, right? The thought the thought has crossed my mind. If we're not going to beat Florida A and M, I don't want to beat anybody, and I will want to lose by forty in every game before UK just to maximize yeah. the comedic value of if that did happen. Now, it, it already would be the funniest win in serious history. So if we're going to be this bad, just be terrible until the UK game, maybe get lucky. We'd never stop talking about it. It would be incredible. It also would be like the total reverse of like every year in the last 10 where Louisville's been like dominated in November. We hadn't lost a November home game since 1972 before last year. And we've lost, we've lost five in a row. Like, it's unreal how many records have been set over the past few years, but like it's, we used to just dominate November, December until the UK game. And then we'd fall on our face. This would be the, the opposite of that. It'd be fun. Are people are, is there, is there a real fear that like the, that's people are going to be checked out? Like you're not going to get this back. The, the momentum that uh, Louisville basketball had when you built the KFC Yum center and won the 2013 national title and joined the ACC and all that is, is there an actual fear that you feel in the city that like if we continue to suck ass and the only time I ever go on Titus and Tate is when they're laughing in my face <laughs> that yeah. um that that yeah that like the 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 city as a whole isn't going to rally around Louisville I think a little bit I mean I I think that there's there's more of a fear that the program is not going to get back to to prominence than there is that people are going to like totally check out now the attendance numbers are way down from where they like I grew up in an era where Freedom Hall was sold out every game. Didn't matter if you're playing Kentucky or Ohio, you were getting 19,000 plus there every single game. And then the first few years of the Yum Center, you were getting 22,000 plus every single game. 
And now it's changed. I don't think it's going to go back to the way it used to be just because that's the way college sports kind of are now. But just yeah. getting back to the point where like that lower bowl is filled every game is the starting point. And I don't, I, I do kind of worry about that. I mean, I used to, I don't know if you guys did this. Like I grew up, I'd watch those. They used to have those ESPN like mini documentaries where they would show like 30 minute recaps of like the final fours from the eighties and the seventies. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, like I grew up, like that's how I learned about college basketball. If I was sick, I'd watch like 15 of those in a row. And I remember like seeing all the final fours with Houston in the eighties and seeing how good those teams were and going to my dad and being like, dad, why does Houston suck now? Like, like, you know, this is a, how could you possibly be that good and be so irrelevant now? And dad's like, yeah, it's just kind of like, it blew my eight, nine year old mind that this was even possible. And I did mm-hmm. think I, you kind of worry about that as a Louisville fan. You know, do you go by the way of, of DePaul? Do you go by the way of, of Houston? Do you go by the way of, of Georgetown to a lesser extent and just totally fall off the face of the earth? UNLV is another one. I think there are reasons to believe it, that what happened at those schools won't happen at Louisville. The fact that this is, I mean, it, it's a pro sports city without a pro sports team. They're the mm-hmm. show here. They always have been. You've got, you mm-hmm. still have a lot of money in the athletic department. Basketball still brings in a lot of money. You've got superior conference affiliation in the ACC than you had in those other situations. Um, but right now, as far as like us just expecting to snap our fingers and get back to, you know, being in the NCAA tournament every year as a high seed, playing for national titles every year, it feels like it's, I mean, who knows? He's got to yeah. start recruiting better. He's got to give us something. Well, we are we are on your side. We promise, Mike, even if it doesn't seem like it. We're 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 trying. I I I just think unfortunately the best path forward is to continue to bottom out. So like, unfortunately I think like the best path forward is you continue to lose. And I tweet Rick Pitino memes and then Kenny Payne falls on the sword and then you hire Rick Pitino. That's, that's, that's the the path forward. The only way that's the only way I see this working out. I don't, I think, I think you guys beating Kentucky and like, I think you guys winning like eight games this year is a disaster. Actually. That's not good. That's not what we want, but God, dude, this sucks. This sucks. I'll tell you. Uh, Damn it, Amani. If Amani uh, Bates just would have come to Louisville, none of this would be happening. So the, the two producers, <laughs> the two producers at my radio station have a bet. It's five hundred dollars. Who is going to win more games this season, Louisville or Eastern Michigan? And it's shaping up to be the saddest and funniest bet of all time because Eastern Michigan they still suck. But that it's two to nothing right now. We're a month <laughs> into the season. It might be a race to five. Like it, 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 it's the funniest bet of all time. But I, so I feel bad for them. I feel bad. I'll tell you who I feel the worst for in all this, besides myself, is <laughs> every game this team sets some sort of new Louisville record, and it always goes back to the 1940-41 Louisville basketball team. Like every every time something comes up, it's like the first time they've had a six-game losing streak to start season since 1940-41, which was a team that started uh, 0-11 and finished 2-14. and We found out that we did some research. They had just fired their coach the year before. They didn't want to pay anybody new. So they would just went to the baseball coach and they were like, do you want to coach basketball this year? And he's like, sure. I don't know what I'm doing, but that, that works. <laughs> so these poor sons of bitches, they just get piled on every game. And it's the most obscure facts. And it's always the same team in the same year that it goes back to. It's like, I see four Louisville players crying on the bench simultaneously has not happened since the 1940, <laughs> 41 season. I feel if any of them are still alive and I, I can't imagine they are, They've got to be just like, I'm sure that none of them ever thought this season was going to be brought up so many times, 80 years after the fact, but every yeah. game they're just getting dumped on. It's terrible. They're yeah, saying, they're like, don't, don't compare eras is what they're saying. Yeah, Don't, 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 yeah. don't compare eras. Don't do it. <laughs> they're, they're like, hey, asshole, we had World War II to worry about. Like yeah, we, were, yeah. we were all like worried we were going to have to go fight fucking Hitler. You know, like <laughs> we didn't have time to care about. 
We're dealing with a lot of uh, serious shit. Yeah, Lenore Ryan. Sorry we couldn't focus on Lenore Ryan like you guys could. Um, I also have to call you all out real quickly before we get out of here. The one saving grace that I had after the season opener was I thought I, I went to, I graduated from Bellarmine. I was Bellarmine. like, they're, gonna, they're at least going to talk about my alma mater here, possibly. <laughs> Dude, I, instead, you spent five minutes on the pronunciation. You got it right last year. You had the same exact discussion. Mike, I had it right. I had it right. And t- I, listen, I take full responsibility. Uh, I, I was the one who introduced the idea of us not saying it right. But at the same time, if, if you check the tape, release the tapes, Jim. I think I said it right initially, and then Tate said it wrong. Right or no? Am I completely... I don't I don't recall, but I do recall having the same conversation again and it felt like deja vu. But <laughs> all, all respect. I, I respect the way that they play the game of basketball. I no, like the, the guy it someone, made me, I, I'm such a sucker for passing. I'm like, I love what these guys do. Someone in the program uh pointed out that if you just remember them as the Bellerman Ballerman, yeah, then it's easy to remember. And I was like, Yeah, I'll never forget that. They're the Ballerman, you know? And that should be their nickname. You should just put Ballerman on the jerseys. The point is, I don't, I don't know why I ever listen to this podcast. It does nothing good to me. It does nothing good for me besides having me on. It's, it's, it's just, it's constant torture. There's nothing good. I, Mike, I spent an hour of my time making a Rick Pitino bat signal meme for you. I did this for you. Okay, you think I did this for myself? Like all I do is I give. I have seen mobile fans kind of stealing it and using it recently. So that's your gift to the fan base. Yeah. Do you understand how hard it is for a guy my age to crop a headshot and size it up into the same? You do. You actually do. Yeah, you are. You are the same generation. I just remembered uh, because you, when we had Louisville Live, which everybody thought was going to be a great event, after we lost DJ Wagner, we turned our attention to AJ Johnson, who canceled his visit the last second, and we all were kind of like, you know, Shooter McGavin's friend from from Happy Gilmore. We're like, I thought you said we're going to Sizzler. Like, you're going to reschedule. But I was thinking about you because we had Jack Harlow come back in and host the event and do the whole thing. And I remember you texted me like a few years ago when Chris Mack took a picture with him. And you're like, I don't know if I'm just, who is this person? I don't know if I'm the oldest guy. <laughs> it was the first time since getting in my 30s where I was like, all right, I'm, 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 I'm a younger guy in this situation, even though you're a couple of years younger than I am. And it made me think of you like Jack Harlow in Louisville basketball. Is Jack Harlow ruining Louisville basketball? That's another take. Whoa. Yeah. Mm. Bring where's, where's Jennifer Lawrence? Maybe she's the only one that could save us. Yeah. Jay Jennifer bring Lawrence. Back. We can't. We need her back at games. Bring her back. That's the that's and and you know what? You know what I'm gonna do for you, Mike? I'm gonna do this just for you. I'm gonna spend the rest of the day making a bat signal with Jennifer Lawrence. <laughs> <laughs> She's the Ashley <laughs> Judd that you guys need. That's I can't wait to uh, steal it. All right. His name is Mike Rutherford. He does his radio show from uh what is it, three to six? Is that when you think you're on three, three hours six? every day? Three, every day. You same enjoying damn it? topic. Same damn topic. I was enjoying it a lot more like a year and a half. Yeah, when uh yeah, Brom Brom, how do you say his name? Brom. Jeff Brown, Brown. He, he's Jeff coming Brown. back. Well, Steve Prohm messed me up, you know, like that, that broke my brain when Steve Prohm went to Iowa state and then Jeff Brown's at Purdue. And then, uh, he's, uh, he's coming, right. You guys are, you guys are getting him. That's, that's good. I feel good about it. We'll okay. see what happens. All right. All right. All right. Yeah. But, but also last time you signed off from this show, we were, uh, we were high, we were <laughs> about all the things yeah. that were going to happen. So, you know what? Forget I said anything, Mike, you're the best. Uh, all eyes on December 17th, the nation will be watching. Yes. Uh, I'm gonna. I, you know what? I, I'm. I'm also gonna do this. Whatever streaming service that game is on, if it's on like ESPN Plus, backslash Florida A and M, and I have to pay like twenty four ninety nine to watch it, I will do that for you. I'm gonna try to watch that game, whatever it takes. If you remember nothing else from this interview, remember this: we're not losing to Florida A and M. Lock it down. <laughs> do whatever. You, this team's not losing to Florida A and M. The Rattlers don't want it. We're coming. I love All it. right, you're the best, Mike. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, guys. All right, thank you to Mike for uh, for joining us as always. Um, all eyes on December seventeenth. There it is. Yeah, I'm gonna be there. I'm gonna be watching.
That's the one uh, Carolina and Ohio State play, I just realized. So uh, Yeah, so if that game is going like I expect at this point, I will be watching that game on my phone. I will be yeah, in Madison Square Garden. I dude, will be on my phone I'm... watching Florida A&M, Louisville, and people are like, <laughs> I thought this guy was the Carolina guy. It's like, no. Can you, can you imagine us sitting courtside watching our at Madison Square Garden? We're, we're on like press row courtside at Madison Square Garden. Our alma maters are playing. And we just have our laptops turned up and we're watching Florida and Edmund Louisville. <laughs> and, we're, and we're going crazy over it. And people are, yeah. people are upset. So confused. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, hey, look, we're dedicated. We're dedicated journalists. Uh, shout outs, closeouts. Let's wrap this thing up. Yeah. I, I wanted to shout out the USA soccer team. Uh, you know, that happened this weekend, this Saturday. It feels like a lifetime ago, but I mean, great effort against the Netherlands. I thought that they, you know, had some great opportunities, especially early. Pulisic, uh, Pulisic, I guess is how he, yeah, he, he had the moment, uh, early in that game. I thought we were going to have glory, but, uh, I think I he know. thought he was offside. I think he, I yeah, think he, he half asked it because he was he, like, he did, he did. And yeah. he was clearly on sides, but it was one of those moments where you're yeah. like, oh no, we, we can't waste those kind of moments. But I, I actually feel good. And like, I know a lot of people are like, well, we've said this before as Americans, I've never felt good before. Oh no, dude. That's what, like, <laughs> I've never, I've never felt this good. The easiest way to reveal yourself as a casual is to talk about 2014 and how, like, how we've regressed because in 2014 we had a shot to beat Belgium and go yeah. to the quarterfinals, and this year we lost three to one, and they're not even close to the same. They're they're getting worse and all that. If it, it, that that just tells me you didn't watch either game. Like in 2014, exactly. Belgium was was five levels better than us, and Tim yeah. Howard was just a maniac. It felt like a joke that we were in the game. It was like, wow, yeah. this is a, this is actually a fluke that we are playing against these guys in an actual meaningful game. That is the knockout round. Yeah, I mean, this time around, it was like, wow, if things, you know, if some things go our way here, we, we could have actually done something. We just, we just didn't make shots. We just didn't yeah. make shots. It comes exactly. down to that. We just can't make shots. No, uh, it is. It is. It's nice to be frustrated. It's nice to feel like uh, we were right there, but we just don't have like the final piece or the final whatever um, versus like, well, you know, looking back on it, they were way better than us. We were lucky to be in this position anyway, you know? Exactly. So exactly. I'm with you. I, I do feel optimistic and uh, I, I get that like the soccer casuals are are rolling their eyes and they're saying this is, this is every four years with USA soccer that we're always optimistic and always, but dude, Look around at the World Cup, man. Like all these, like as it turns out, like the Germany hasn't even made it out of their group the last two World Cups. I yeah. remember not too long ago, Tate, Brazil, the team that just beat the hell out of Korea today, uh, on their home soil lost seven to one to Germany. Germany. Yeah. They lost seven to one. It was, an, um, that was that was one of the biggest beatdowns I've ever seen in the sport. Insane. Yeah. But like look at all these other these other round of 16 games that have been going on so far, with the exception of like Japan, Croatia. Uh, it, it it sort of feels like one team is outclassed the other one by a mile. Like it's so. My point is, it's not like I'm not trying to be a uh, you know a, a hang the banner for a Sweet 16 type guy, but at the same time, like a little perspective is nice and realizing, as it turns out, like this is extremely hard. And uh, j just assuming that if we don't make it to the to the quarterfinals, we suck as a soccer country is is not exactly fair. And you have to have like more context than that. Now, granted, it is frustrating as shit that like we get the ball kind of close and no one wants to shoot it and they just want to like walk it in or like dink and dunk their way until they, you know, they look like me when I'm playing FIFA when I'm trying to like throw alley-oops to guys to like dunk the ball into the net instead of just like, just yeah. shoot it, dude. Just shoot it and see what happens. Um, but it's it's so nice not to be but, playing like the traditional ugly American soccer where we basically just kick it deep and try to outrun the other team. Yeah. I mean, that that was like what it was for so long and it was so frustrating. And the fact that we actually play 
with touch and we actually play with pace and we actually play in control and right I mean, it's just such most, a, it's it's so encouraging and we're the most, young. Of, the most american soccer goal that uh when i think of u.s soccer the one that stands out to me as like that that is u.s soccer was josie altador against spain in the confederations cup when he just posts up at the top of the box gets the ball with, the, with his back facing the goal and then just like muscles his way towards the goal and then just blasts <laughs> it past the goalie and, and uh you know on the one hand you're like that was so freaking badass that guy looked like it kind of looked like what uh all these people that talk about like what if lebron played soccer like that yeah. felt like the closest thing to lebron james playing soccer you know but then on the other hand it was like that was just pure strength and just like like he was playing football he's just like elbowing <laughs> dudes out like he's yeah you know like there was no skill really whatsoever it was just pure brute strength and smash the shit out of the ball past the goal like because if i remember right it hit the goalie's hand and he hit it so hard that it, like just went through the call it was a ripper yeah he <laughs> was just so anyway you're right shout out to the uh to the u.s team i'm fired up for 2026 man it's gonna be great right. i'm fired up for the years in between 20 now and then by the way I, yeah exactly and, and I'm now fired up for the whole run-up dude and now Copa we know america let's go yeah, exactly. Like this, it's great that the guys that have been pegged as the stars of the team actually are stars. You know what I mean? A lot of times in American soccer, we've had, you know, I mean, we we have Freddie Adu syndrome where we love crowning people and they're not an act, actually that guy. We have that in Christian. We still have to find a guy up top, a number nine, a striker, whatever you want to call it. But I think that we have a way better chance of finding that guy in these years than we ever have. And then behind him, we have a team that actually has talent. Finally. Yeah, everyone's like, this is the exact same as it is. Uh, th th this is the same shit as it's always been with U.S. soccer, dude. We used to, we used to like look to the Kansas City Wizards for <laughs> for a striker. Like, if we needed a striker, would be we'd call the Kansas City Wizards and be like, you got any Americans coming up in the pipeline? Yeah, exactly. Like now, all our players are like actually playing on in Barcelona, overseas, and Chelsea. And, you know? exactly. All of our players are in academies, which is all we've ever wanted. That's all I mean? we've ever wanted, dude. And, so and don't tell me that it's the same shit. Get out of here. And there's guys that like now have a choice. Like they're like, I could be, you know, I could play for Belgium or I could play for the U.S. It looks fun to play for the U.S. Right. And I know a lot of people were going after Burhalter saying he's such a horrible manager or whatever. But all the players love him and they play hard for him. Yeah, so I do he, enjoy that. You know, he uh, he was he was the Columbus Crew coach forever, and I I liked him when he was. But that's but if I'm being completely honest, maybe that's probably the level he. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like, a little bit above his pay grade, but at the same time, yeah, like but, I don't know if a manager helps them get over the hump against the Netherlands. Even though I'm glad that they were in the game. Somebody called Kai Kamara. He was great for the Crew when Berhalter was there as a striker. He was he was putting a lot of goals. He was putting a lot of balls in the back of the net. That's who he so, brings though. Yeah, bring in, bring in <laughs> Kai Kamara. Uh I want to shout out friend of the program, Michael Avenatti, who was sentenced to 14 years in prison. Um, wow. you know, it's it's I, I I'm not a lawyer. Uh I don't know how this all works, but it's bullshit to me, Tate. I don't yeah. I don't I don't remember what he's in what he's if he's going in, on. if he's in it for 14 years, then I think Duke should be in there for a hundred. I mean, <laughs> if you're just doing the math, because he wasn't that part of the whole deal. I don't remember what he got in trouble for. Why he's why he's why why he got sentenced at all. All I know is this man once upon a time tweeted during the FBI scandal and Duke dot dot dot, and for that reason he's he, he he's full immunity. If you elect me president, I uh, I'm granting a pardon to Michael Avenatti. That's one of the first yeah. acts as president is pardon yeah. Michael Avenatti. Yeah, he's my um, Kodak Black. I come in and I'm like get Avenatti out of there and let's hear his side of the story. Let's let him write a book. He also he also follows me on Twitter. <laughs> that, that might not be a good thing. You might be. I don't think it is. Like he and and I think if I if I remember right, I don't think he follows that many people. It's not like a deal like uh, uh like a John Cena, you know, who follows like a million two hundred five thousand people. Hey, Diggs, you know? one of those people too. Yeah, uh, Michael Avenatti. Yeah, 
think fall is 2186 oh you're so fine that's, that's still a you're lot fine. but like i mean I, i'll never forget that day when uh when that notification came through that michael haven't had he appreciated following you on twitter now he's got to find so, the good press dude he tweeted well the other part is like all of his tweets that he fires off are uh protected Mm. so people michael avenatti follows or mention can reply and that's it and i'm one of those people dude so i get the little thing that says at the bottom you can reply to this tweet i've never replied but like that's maybe that reply feels, maybe maybe, maybe reply and say stay strong hashtag friend of their program stay you strong know? friend of the program hashtag raw deal and and duke dot 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 <laughs> just re- reply every tweet raw deal dude yeah raw, raw deal. deal that's a raw, raw deal. deal hashtag and duke uh, I want to shout out uh, Ryan Day, head coach of the Ohio State football team, who uh, is officially unfired um, for now, yeah. Tate. Back. Uh, you might remember um, uh, last Saturday, uh, a first and 35 when he ran the ball, and then we on, on fourth and what was it, like six or something for Michigan's territory, he then decided to punt. Uh, at that point in time, I, I officially fired Ryan Day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I texted friends. I texted Fair. family. There. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I said, he's fired. And they're like, what do you mean? What are you talking about? And I said, I'm done with him. He's fired. I'm, I'm packing his bags. He's done. Uh, but Ohio State has now made the college football playoff. Sorry, haters. We're back. We're not dead yet. And for that reason, I have decided to unfire our head coach. <laughs> I think, and I think that's a hard decision. Yeah. Unless he doesn't win the national championship, in which case he's refired. I'm, he's I'm, re- <laughs> I'm going to refire <laughs> I uh I really enjoyed. I felt bad for USC fans, like real USC fans, but I couldn't help but enjoy the the celebrating of like USC got up with like seventeen to zero, and then they were just dancing on the graves of Utah, like it was game yeah. over, and then it immediately flipped. And then as it was flipping, I thought to myself, "Oh my God, Ryan Day has been fired. Who is going to coach? <laughs> Who's going to coach Ohio State? State Buckeyes?" <laughs> I talked to Titus, and he said that uh, we're done with them. We said we're searching. Uh, I, I'm not. A, I'm. Not, I listen. I'm not proud to admit this, Tate. I did search uh, in the wee hours of the 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 Saturday night when Ohio State lost to Michigan. It was probably one two a.m. I, I did find myself googling Mike Vrabel's contract. Mm. Uh, I did run the numbers, and I, that, that's that's something that happened. Okay, I'm not proud of that. Um, I'm also not proud that speaking of Twitter followers, I w- when I fired Ryan Day when we punted the ball after yeah. running it on first and 35 um i did unfollow him on twitter and i oh wow. i gotta say i i am going to give him one half of football for me to refollow him so he's i i've rehired him as my head football coach at ohio state we will watch the first half of the peach bowl if i don't expect to win tate it's this it's not about winning it's like you with carolina basketball it's not like we don't it's not like i expect to win every single game i just expect to play ohio state football now what is ohio state football it's winning Okay, that's the number one tenant. Yeah, that's, that's the first step of playing Ohio. Yes, yes. <laughs> so uh, we're going to watch the first half. And if they, if I feel like we're playing Ohio State football, I'm going to refollow. I'm sorry, it's a cold world, but we pay you $10 million. And, uh, you know, that, that was that was when I knew I was really down bad as an Ohio State fan. Is when I hit unfollow and it said, are you sure you want to unfollow Ryan Day? And I was like, yeah, I yes. am. You know what? I am. I'm and it's like Ryan Day still follows you, and then you're yeah. like, oh, no, I hope he doesn't see this. Uh, I also, I mean, Joel Klatt, I saw Joel Klatt, company man comment here, but I saw Joel Klatt put a video out, and he's like, the one team that Georgia would not want to see out of all the teams that could have been the four seed is Ohio State, right? They they do not deal well with yeah. vertical threats, and this is Ryan Day's moment because bubble, bubble screens are not vertical threats, so let's not throw <laughs> bubble screens. Let's, let's throw the ball deep. 
Uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. is wide open. Please throw him the ball. And I, I think it's if I'm Georgia, I'm actually mad about this matchup. But in a year that North Carolina played Duke in the Final Four, I think it's only right that Michigan plays Ohio State for the national championship. Dude, that'd be crazy, wouldn't it? I think I think it's it's a it's a great year for sports. It's a great year for the best rivalries in each sport. So in my mind, I see a world where it's Michigan and Ohio State in the national championship. So the hope that kills you, Tate. It's the hope yeah. that kills you. Yeah, um, and I'm back see. to having hope. And uh, I was I was definitely one of those guys that when we lost to Michigan and uh, you know my my family that didn't go to Ohio State, they were. Like, you know, I talked to my dad. He's like, well, you know, you guys will be all right. You still have a path to the playoff. And I was like, dad, I don't want to make the playoff. Mm-hmm. I don't want to watch this bullshit team play pansy ass football, you know, and get your get run up and down the field. I don't, I don't, I don't want to have to care again. It's the hope that kills. Yeah. I don't want to have to hope again. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I'm back. I'm, I'm hoping I'm here. I, mm-hmm. as it turns out, I was, I was full of shit because, uh, I've unfired Ryan day and, uh, I might follow him on Twitter again. So that's okay. how real, that's how real this is getting. I love it. I love it. They're back. Uh, I want to apologize to Fairleigh Dickinson. Uh, during the fraud power rankings, I was talking about Loyola, I believe. I said Loyola, uh, Chicago, who lost to DePaul, by the way. Sister Jean is on is on bandwagon watch for sure right now. Um, I said that they they lost to Fairleigh Dickinson, who was one of the worst teams in Division One, And uh, someone within the program, as a friend of, of the program, Tate, reached out, DM'd me to say, we are quote not that bad. <laughs> so that's the that's yeah, the scout report. On, it's Dude. like it was like Titus. I understand why you think we're. He's like we're actually we're encouraged by the team right now. Uh, we are quote not that bad. Was was the report? So I want to apologize. That was that was not a fair shot at Fairly Dickinson, who is uh, what is Fairly Dickinson? Uh, what is their record? I want to give. I want to no, give people have a fair to be scout fair report. when you talk about Fairly Dickinson. So I I, I you know I appreciate you. Being the bigger man here, and uh, Fairly Dickinson ahead of Louisville in the net, you know. So yeah. there's that. Uh, Fairly Dickinson is as of right now, they are four and six, Tate. Not that bad. I just picture the Jim Calhoun voice. They're not. They're not bad. Yeah. Oh, they just beat St. Joe's, really, on there Saturday. Go. There you go. Wow. All right. Well, respect to Fairly. They beat them by seventeen, dude. All right. Well, yeah. They yeah, just they're not respect. that bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they're not. I mean, that from bad. what I've seen, they're not that bad. Not that bad. And VMI, they beat VMI and Manhattan. Okay, all right, not that bad. Got some quality wins. Love that. Uh, is there anything else? I want to shout out uh, Ohio State women's ice hockey team. I guess they beat uh, Minnesota Duluth, defending national champion. Are the Buckeye women are defending national champion state? I was watching their uh, uh, the Reagan Kirk is her name. Our goalie. She lost her glove at the end of the game and was uh, playing goalie Tate as as. As Minnesota Duluth pulled their pulled their goalie for the onslaught of, of shots to try to tie the game, our goalie played the final twenty seconds with no glove on her hand. So uh, shout definitely. out to That's shout great. out to the number one ranked uh, Ohio State women's ice hockey team and the number three ranked now Ohio State women's basketball team. Fired up mm-hmm. about that. So there you go. Yeah. That's it. That's all I have. Yeah. Uh, one last shout out. Shout out to the UNC women's soccer team playing in the national championship against UCLA right now. So uh, hmm. I don't know what's happening in the game, but it's happening in Cary, North Carolina right now. Oh, really? Roy Williams is at the game. Yeah. North Carolina versus UCLA for the national championship. Just beat Florida State in the final four. Florida State kind of oh, that's awesome. taking our spot. You know, they were trying to be the new cream of the ACC, but uh, we're top dogs again. We're back. But last time we were in the title game, we lost to Stanford. Uh, Pac-12 team so I'm I'm based on everything that's happened for Carolina over the past you know two weeks or so I'm guessing they're going to lose but I'm going to knock on wood and hope that they get this win just hope uh do you have a good striker 
Call, does, I, I think uh, we have a good number nine. I think we have a strong. Number number <laughs> I love Alexi Lawless. Like his his verb is like if you're watching Fox, like it just eventually it gets in your head, you know, and you can't talk about it any other way. And, yeah, uh, it's so right. Funny. The amount of times that Alexi Lawless said we need a number nine, I I, I, number I, I, I can't get it out of my head. No, it is uh, it is it is confusing because you, you I watched the whole game and I watched the whole world. I watched every second of U.S. World Cup, obviously, and um. I, I I walked away pretty optimistic. I was like, we played pretty well. Like, obviously, the goals we gave up against the Dutch were were bad, but it was also like our guys seemed to be just kind of gassed, and uh, we just you know didn't young keep mistakes. our head off. Yeah, young mistakes. Um, but then you start talking about like what we need to fix moving forward, and you realize like maybe I shouldn't be optimistic because it's like, listen, all we have to do is find a number nine. We have to get more inventive in the final third, as they say. Uh, we have to uh do a better job marking in our own third or our defensive third. Uh, you know, it, the, the, the Netherlands got way too many open looks. Uh, so we got to clean up the defense tape. We got to clean up the, uh, the, the striking, the midfield's okay, but other than, and, and maybe get a new coach. And if we can do all this, and I'm like, wait a second, what happened? Yeah, I, was like, like, well, I was like, I was, was optimistic. Great, but now, but now that five-step uh, plan is a little much for me. Now we got to fix our attack, our defense, and our coach, but our midfield is good. Cool. Perfect. Awesome. Yeah. Now we're Perfect. right back where we start. Oh, one more shout out. Uh, Moses turns 12 on Wednesday. Happy birthday, Moses. My what dog a- turns 12 on Wednesday. So, um, yeah, he's a uh, boy. I love that dog. I love goat. that dog. Yeah, I know. I know they're. Not, I know they don't live forever, Tate. But uh, I'm. I'm crossing my fingers on this one. I'm crossing yeah. my fingers. I got the first one. Moses um, knows ball, and also Moses, like he, he has the heart of a one year old. You know what I mean? Like, he does. He, like yeah. he has never lost that joy for life, and uh, I always appreciate that. I, and, I was, and love the walk. Let let him have a long walk. We're recording uh, here at home. We're we're doing this remote. We're not at the studio because I'm I'm sick or whatever. But uh. I was hoping he'd be here. He's usually he, when I when we record here, he's usually sitting on my feet. I was gonna have him bark and say hello to the people, but he's not here. So unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, he's outside. <laughs> we're gonna have to wait. Yeah, but uh, happy birthday to Moses! All right, that's the show. Um, we will uh, see you guys later this week. I don't. I don't know why I ever listen to this podcast. It does nothing good for me besides having me on. It's 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 just it's constant torture. There's nothing good. Maybe you should shut up. <laughs>